And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. Joshua Wall walks in, got the one Major Junior. This is Logan Stankoven. I play for the Cowboys Blazers. Hey, it's Matt Potter from the Guelph Storm. This is Axler LaRue from the Halifax Moosehead. Natai Gauthier. I play for the Quebec Ramparts. Hey, guys. This is Ty Nelson from the North Day Battalion, and this is the Pipeline Show. NCAA. This is Ryan McAllister for the Western Michigan Broncos. This is Wyatt Kaiser from Minnesota Duluth. This is Brock Faber from the University of Minnesota. The NHL Draft. This is Adam Fantilli of the University of Michigan. This is Ryan Leonard. I play for Team USA. I'm Nate Danielson of the Brandon Lee Kings. My name is Adam Guyam. I'm playing for Chippewa Field. Hi, I'm Grayson Sochin. I'm with the Seattle Thunderbirds. Hey, this is Jacob Fowler, goaltender for the Youngstown Phantoms. I'm Connor Bedard for the Regina Pats, and this is the Pipeline Show. And more. Brandon! This is the Pipeline Show. Good weekend, and welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show. My name is Guy Flaming, and it is uh, great to have you on board again this weekend for what should be another fun episode. Uh, five guests coming up today. I'll tell you who they are. They'll join me via the Troubled Monk Hotline as we kick off our WHL team-by-team previews. I'll tell you exactly which teams and which guests will be representing those teams a little bit later in this opening segment. A uh, quick reminder, the Pipeline Show is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. That's their slogan. I say it's the world's best beef jerky because it is unbelievably good. There are three locations in the Edmonton area. Leduc, Spruce Grove, and the kiosk in West Edmonton Mall. By the way, they're hiring in Leduc. For more info on that, uh, find them on Twitter or with their website. WilhockBeefJerky.com. It's also where you can go to place orders to have them shipped to you anywhere in Western Canada. I highly, highly recommend the beef jerky. They have some other stuff available as well, but it is the beef jerky that keeps me coming back. It is a big show, guest heavy, so we'll get through the uh, opening segment and uh, touch on some of the big stories as training camps are about to open this weekend in uh, the CJHL. They already have opened in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. I can update you on uh, some of the uh, preseason games there. The Ontario Hockey League and the WHL get going next week. Uh, But there is some news and notes from around the leagues that we cover. So let's get to those. Maybe we'll start with the Brooks Bandits who return home from Sweden as uh, champions of the U-20 Super Challenge. And it was a fairly dominating performance for the Brooks Bandits, which is... uh, Basically what they're used to. An 8-3 win in the championship game against the team from France. The Bandits ended up going 5-0, outscoring their opponents by a combined 32-9, and never trailed for a second in the entire event. Uh, It doesn't get any more dominating than that. So the Brooks Bandits uh, playing midseason hockey here in August, and that is probably bad news for the rest of the AJHL. But preseason games get going in the AJ this weekend. Kicks off with the Grand Prairie Storm in Whitecourt to play the Wolverines. That goes on Friday night. Another game on Saturday has Olds in Calgary. A couple of midweek games with uh, Whitecourt in Drayton Valley and Calgary taking on Drumheller. And then next weekend, a full slate of uh, preseason games. Uh, Based on the website, uh, nothing newsworthy in the USHL. New online TV package for the North American Hockey League has been announced. Uh, That came out a couple of days ago. You can uh, find details for that at nahl.com. That's the league website. 
But more that we can talk about in the CHL, maybe we'll start with the Q. As I mentioned, preseason well underway. Most teams have played three or four games. Uh, only the Maritime teams have only played a pair of games so far. And what do you take away from preseason? Well, really, not a whole lot. Uh, that said, Ramuski is uh, 3-0. and Only two teams have uh, not won a game. That would be Moncton and Halifax. Again, it's preseason. Three trades to mention in the Ontario Hockey League, uh, two of them involving the Saginaw Spirit, who are hosting the Memorial Cup in May of 2024, and as you would expect, already tinkering with the lineup, they acquire Braden Hache from the Barry Colts for Olivier Savard and a third-round pick, and then they uh, also grab Will Bishop from the Sudbury Wolves in exchange for a couple of draft picks. One other trade has uh, Owen Sound acquiring Declan Waddock for Gavin Bryant and a third-round pick. The Kitchener Rangers add Brad Flynn as an assistant coach. He has been everywhere in his coaching career. I know he's been on the show a couple of times, uh, once when he was in charge of the Corpus Christi Ice Rays in the North American Hockey League. He was also coaching for a little bit in Red Deer with the Rebels. He previously had coached in Saginaw as well as uh, Acne Bathurst. So he has been on the bench for every CHL league, all three of them, as well as the North American Hockey League. With the WHL, Manny Viveros has been named the new head coach of the Vancouver Giants, which is a, uh, well, I was a little surprised by it only because I thought Manny had kind of, and I could be wrong on this, but I thought he'd kind of made it clear that uh, he was done with junior hockey. Uh, That said, it's late August. If there didn't happen to be a pro job available, you got to work. Reading the press release, I didn't get how long of a a deal he signed, so it might be a one-year deal and then we'll see. Uh, But I could be wrong on that too, and maybe I just missed it. But a really good head coach. We've seen him in uh, Swift Current. He was in Spokane, and then he was uh, in the American Hockey League. Also coached uh, in the Edmonton Oilers uh, organization. So definitely a qualified coach and a guy who's going to help the Vancouver Giants. One of the guys I thought might be on their radar was James Patrick, who has now been assigned by the Victoria Royals to be the director of player development for the Royals. Speaking of the Royals, they signed uh, their import player from uh, Norway. That would be Casper Evanson, 18 years old. The Wenatchee Wild signed both of their import players. And a couple of trades we can mention as well in the Western Hockey League. Caden Brown was traded from Prince George to Everett for Orange Strom and a a second and a fifth round pick. Cooper Gizowski goes from Spokane to Lethbridge along with a seventh round pick in exchange for a fourth rounder. I thought it was a fifth rounder when I read this initially, but it's a fourth rounder on the team's website. And more recently, Chase Coward sent from the Red Deer Rebels to the Prince Albert Raiders. So the Raiders getting a a 20-year-old goaltender with a, a lot of experience at the WHL level, although he missed almost the entire season last year with double hip surgery and then was a surprise starter in a game against the Lethbridge Hurricanes near the end of the year. It wasn't announced that he was coming back or anything. He just, that day, hey, Coward's back. It was a great feel-good story. Chase Coward's name uh, comes up in this week's episode with one of my guests as well. So happy for him that he's back and uh, healthy and looks like he's going to be the new starter for the Prince Albert Raiders. Uh, Lastly, a look at the NCAA. Dylan Simpson, the uh, former Spruce Grove Saint, who then went and played at North Dakota for four years, the last year of which he was their captain. Well, he has hung up the uh, player skates and has uh, traded it in for a whistle. He is now an assistant coach back at North Dakota. 
So congrats to uh, Dylan Simpson on that. I mentioned on Twitter, I remember going down to North Dakota. Uh, Dave Haxtell was still the head coach and invited me to come down and do the show from uh, Ralph Engelstad Arena, which I did. And Dylan Simpson was the captain that year and told me if he could come back and play a fifth year, he would. And this was after he'd already been NHL drafted. That just uh, an indication of how special and how much he loved his time playing in North Dakota. Well, now he gets to go back as an assistant coach. So terrific fit uh, for player and for uh, program with Dylan Simpson. That's awesome. Pro Stock Hockey is your online source for authentic Pro Stock Hockey equipment, whether it's uh, gloves or sticks or helmets, whatever. You can find it at ProStockHockey.com. According to their Twitter feed, new goalie protective from the Jackets and the Cleveland Monsters is now available. That will get you pads and blockers and gloves. You can see those right now on their Twitter feed at ProStockHockey. All orders of kids' gloves will receive a free bottle of Miracle Fresh. You can get the gloves with your name on them. Pretty cool. Go to ProStockHockey.com. All right, let's get to the guest list and kick off this show. Troubledmonk.com slash shop is the place to go to see what they have in stock right now that you can order online. And you can go and pick that up right at the tap room or at the farmer's market in Edmonton or the farmer's market in Calgary. Or you can just go to your local liquor store in Alberta. And if they don't have it in stock when you get there, ask them to bring it in because they can bring it in for you. The last batch of Troubled Monk that I picked up included the Bronze Pilsner. If you like... Uh, Amber Pilsners, I think you'll like that one. Great looking can as well. But you can never go wrong with a troubled tea or with some of the classics like the Pesky Pig or a Golden Gates. They always knock it out of the park at Troubled Monk. The guest list this week, five teams in the spotlight as we preview the upcoming season for the Western Hockey League. Here is this week's guest list and the order that we will slot them in for the show. Troy Gillard is the voice of the Red Deer Rebels and he kicks off this week's show. From there, we go to the Regina Pats and Dante DeCaria, the voice of the Southern Saskatchewan Club, who, well, let's be honest, get the elephant out of the room. No more Connor Bedard. What does that mean for the Pats? From there, we'll go south of the border. Casey Bryant is the uh, broadcast voice of the Everett Silvertips. Then we'll go to Northern BC, check in with the Prince George Cougars with Cole Waldy, and we will end it by skipping back across the border into Spokane with the radio voice of the Chiefs. That is Mr. Mike Boyle. So an absolutely loaded show, and we begin with the Red Deer Rebels and Troy Gillard. He's up first here on the Pipeline Show. It's brought to you by Willock Beef Jerky. Hey, this is Ben King of the Red Deer Rebels. Puts it on goal, scores! Ben King tipped it home, and the Rebels win it! 4-3 in overtime! And you're listening to The Pipeline Show. When the night has come And the land is dark And the moon is the only light we'll see since 1965, Wilhawk Beef Jerky has provided fresh, top-quality beef jerky made with 100% Alberta beef. From your very first bite, you'll understand that real jerky isn't found at the convenience store. It's tender, full of flavor, with just a hint of subtle spices. Wilhawk's jerky is aged, seasoned, and marinated to lock in the flavors, and then smoked to perfection. Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It might just be the best you've ever tasted. Try for yourself. Search W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. 
I can't sugarcoat this. We're at threat level midnight. Hey, it's the Pipeline Show with E. Flaming. And of course, the program is first off brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. Get it in three locations in the Edmonton area or go to their website and they'll send it to you anywhere in Western Canada. That's wilhockbeefjerky.com. Let's get to the team-by-team WHL uh, previews for this upcoming season. In years past, maybe we've done it with GMs or head coaches, but it's always great to get the play-by-play guys on, and uh, that's what we're doing again this year for the most part. There might be a couple instances where uh, we'll have to uh, sub in a coach or something like that, but uh, we're going to start things off with the uh, mighty Red Deer Rebels, and that means the equally mighty Troy Gillard is back on the Pipeline Show. Troy, Welcome back, man. How are you? Well, I am very honored. Or should, I don't know. Is it a good thing that I'm going first out of the 22 guys in the WHL? You need a getting pick. That's it. <laughs> uh, we'll see how it goes then. Gee, I'm great. How are you? I'm really good. Chomping at the bit, though, to get back at it. Uh, you know, it was a, a very long off season for the uh, team that finishes in last place. So it's been a long time since I've been in the rink. Uh, looking forward to it. How about for you? Absolutely. You know, it's been a great summer. It's nice to be able to unwind after you, you know, get through, uh, you know, Red Deer was lucky enough to get into two rounds of playoffs and then you get uh, through all the off stuff after that. And luckily I was able to spend some great time with the family this summer, but uh, yeah, you know what, as this calendar does get closer to September, definitely ready to get going again. All right. Well, we always start by looking at the roster from last year and I guess we'll go by the playoff roster and the, and the players who aren't back, but maybe we got to start with the head coach because it's no longer Steve Konowalczyk. Big change there as well for the Rebels this year. Derek Walser comes in, and uh, how much do you know about him as, as, a, as a coach? Should we expect a whole lot of changes on the ice for the Rebels? Well, funny enough, as you and I talked today, I actually met Derek in person for the first time this morning as mm-hmm. he's just now completed the move all the way to Red Deer from Peterborough, Ontario. Yeah, certainly a, a big change. And uh, when you look at the, the recent history of the Red Deer Rebels, not very often that the, the head coach uh, does change. I mean, Steve Conowalchuk came in and for two seasons did a, a fantastic job behind the bench, uh, you know, helped lead the Rebels to a Central Division title last year. And then uh, soon after the year decided that, uh, you know, he wanted to be closer to home. He's based in Seattle and he's got ties in Colorado as well which is where he ended up in the AHL so all the best to Steve moving forward but uh, yeah exciting to have a Derek Walser come in and and take over behind the bench for the Red Deer Rebels uh, you know perhaps not a name that a lot of Western Hockey League fans would be familiar with but uh, he's had a successful run the last several seasons as an assistant coach with the Peterborough Peets and of course they obviously created big news by winning the Ontario Hockey League this past season Mm -hmm. and uh, appearing at the the Memorial Cup out in uh, Kamloops. So uh, he's been around a a successful junior hockey club here the last little while. So uh, he's a younger guy, uh, just 45, so he brings a fresh energy as well. And uh, the part that has me feeling good about it, Guy, is that uh, Brent Sutter really uh, did a thorough search as you would expect from Brent Sutter when he was looking for uh, his new head coach and uh, he had just said you know as he went through the process of going through who he felt would be the, the right person to guide the Rebels that uh, it just kept coming back to Derek as he checked a lot of the boxes that uh, that Brent thought made sense uh, best of all for the the Red Deer Rebels hockey club so Derek's a guy who has a a long career as a, a professional hockey league player got into a couple seasons with the, the Columbus Blue Jackets and 
if you go back to his time in major junior as a player, he was CHL defenseman of the year uh, back in uh, 1998 uh, when he was playing in the Quebec League. So a lot of pedigree. He's uh, won a Spangler Cup, you know, he's won a Calder Cup and some European championships as well. So younger guy, but he's got a, a wealth of hockey knowledge and we're really excited to get going with him here in Red Deer. And Clayton Beddoes returns to the organization too, this time as an assistant coach, right? Yeah, great to have a hometown guy. Grew up in uh, Bentley, just a half hour outside of town here. Uh, did work with the Rebels for a season, uh, I believe, in 2014 as uh, the skills coach at that time. And uh, again, a, a guy with a, a long uh, professional career on his resume as well. Played some with the Boston Bruins and then played a long time in Europe and overseas and uh, has a lot of coaching experience under his belt. And I, I know that he was looking to kind of resettle back here in his hometown area uh, regardless of uh, where he was going to be working next year. So the fact that uh, he was able to join the Red Deer Rebels, it just works so great from both sides. All right, let's get to the roster. And uh, we'll begin with uh, who's not back from uh, the playoff team in uh, this past season. Uh, that would be Ben King and Jace Isley up front as they both age out, as does uh, Christopher Setoff on the back end. And uh, for me, that, that trio of overagers last year was one of the best trios of overagers in the league, in my opinion. So those are big losses uh, for sure. Who else isn't back from uh, that the team that we saw playing into uh, late April and, and May? Uh, I'm guessing Jaden Groob, signed by the Edmonton Oilers, so he, he could play in the American Hockey League this year, but they have the option, I guess, of sending him back. But what's the feeling in Red Deer? Is, do you expect him or no? Hard to say right now. I mean, first of all, incredibly exciting for not only uh, us here as the Rebels, but uh, Jaden Groob in general to get that opportunity with the Oilers. I mean, it had become clear that the, the New York Rangers uh, didn't have him in their plans going forward. So a day before he would have been eligible to go back into the draft, he gets traded and signed by the Oilers. So uh, great stuff there. But it certainly sounds like he's going to have every opportunity to crack the uh, Bakersfield Condors in the American Hockey League, and he's certainly worthy of that opportunity. So uh, for the Rebels, they're taking the approach that uh, Jaden Groob will indeed play pro hockey next year, although if he does happen to land back here with the Red Deer Rebels, you certainly would not say no to that. Mm -hmm. But um, certainly Groober is going to get every chance to play for the Condors. So when you look at the uh, 2003 uh, age group, obviously, which will be this year's overagers in uh, the WHL. There's still uh, a number of guys that are going to be battling for just three spots because you've got uh, Caillou Chaz coming back after he scored uh, 50 last year. And uh, you bring in a guy like Carson Latimer to compete for a 20-year-old spot alongside Craig Armstrong up front as well. So going to be an interesting camp battle there. Uh, outside of the departure, uh, potentially, of uh, Gruber, like you said, along those other three guys, uh, the Rebels are in good shape. Most of the other roster players uh, are eligible to come back and will indeed be at main camp this fall. Interesting. All right. Well, let's start in net then because that's one of them. Chase Coward, uh, after missing most of last year, he comes back, and uh, that was such a, a great feel-good story, wasn't it, to see him back in the crease? Boy, it was. And just funny how it works out. He comes back, and the Rebels didn't announce that he had return to the roster until the day of his first start, which yeah. was a midweek game versus the Lethbridge Hurricanes. And then he came within, I think it was 12 seconds of getting the shutout. Lethbridge scored on their final shot on net. They snuck one by him. What a story that would have been after he missed most of the season. But certainly have to feel great for for Cowie. For those who aren't familiar, he went through a double hip surgery uh, last year and uh, unfortunately had to pass up an invite 
uh, last summer, not only to Buffalo Sabres camp, but also to the World Junior Summer Camp last year. So it was a tough break for him, but he worked his way all the way back. And his timing couldn't have worked out any better because right about the time that Chase Coward was healthy enough to rejoin the Rebels, uh, Red Deer lost Rhett Stoser to a practice injury. He was done for the year. And Rhett Stoser and Kyle Kelsey had combined last year to uh, really take care of what at the time was a big question mark for the Red Deer Rebels as to who was going to play net with Chase Coward down for the count. But uh, Rhett Stoser and Kyle Kelsey uh, filled the net admirably until uh, Chase Coward came back in the final couple of months to give the Rebels a still solid tandem alongside Kelsey going into the playoffs. So Chase is good and healthy to go, and uh, nice for him this year that he gets an invite to go uh, skate with the Minnesota Wild this fall as well. So, All right, so with Coward, Kelsey's back and Stoser's back, and, and Chase Wetzke is, is still in the mix as well. So uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that the last I'd seen is still those four guys uh, with the Rebels, but uh, that's going to make a, a pretty interesting battle in camp. Absolutely, and if you're the Red Deer Rebels, it's a, a battle you absolutely love to have uh, yeah. going into camp because it becomes a, a real position of strength for this club. And I'm glad you did mention Chase Woodski as part of that group because he is a, a high pick by the Rebels uh, early in the second round. A couple of uh, WHL prospects drafts uh, ago had a real good year last year with the Saskatoon contacts, got them uh, fairly deep into the playoffs, and has looked good in his uh, handful of starts for the the Red Deer Rebels. So he's a guy that is definitely uh, going to be pushing for a, a roster spot. So uh, if you're looking for training camp battles to watch with the Red Deer Rebels, it definitely starts in net with those four guys. Well, that's uh, that's what training camp, uh, that's what makes training camp exciting and, and preseason <laughs> as well, for sure. Uh, how are things on the back end looking for Red Deer coming into the season? Really good. And uh, that's a carryover from the, the last couple of seasons where the, the Red Deer Rebels have had uh, especially in the WHL's Eastern Conference, I think one of the better defense groups because uh, you're going to have Matt Lindgren back. You're going to have Hunter Mayo on the back end last year and Jace Weir to anchor your, your top four alongside uh, Mateo Fabrizi. So uh, you look at those four names right there, that gives you a real nice top four. And then uh, a couple of younger players that are going to get a real good-looking camp. Quentin Bourne is going to be back for his second year sophomore out of california undersized guy which uh, on the red deer rebels blue line is a bit of uh, an anomaly i guess but real good speed nice skates and has got a nice set of hands so uh, as he comes back for his second year of western league hockey he's able to adjust more to the the game temple then i think you can look for some exciting things out of the second year of uh, quentin Bourne on defense and uh, a rookie who's going to get a real good look at cracking this roster will be Luke Bluswick out of Calgary. He was the Rebels' first-round pick in the uh, 2022 WHL Prospects draft. And uh, he got into one game last year uh, with Red Deer. Played at the Canada Winter Games for Alberta. Calgary Buffalo's product. And uh, he'll likely uh, land a spot as uh, the number six or, or a number seven guy. But uh, overall, I think the Rebels are excited once again about their defense. Uh, Troy, you didn't mention uh, Merrick Schneider, who would be a 20-year-old this year. Is, is he still part of the organization? Well, Merrick Schneider's going to move on. Uh, Elias Carmichael is uh, a guy that the Rebels uh, brought in from the Kelowna Rockets this offseason, and uh, Elias uh, is a 2003-born. So thanks for the reminder there, because the Rebels did pick him up from Kelowna uh, fairly early in the offseason. So you slide him into that top six group as uh, a guy the Rebels are high on as well. 
Wow, so lots of competition again in camp, and that's a good thing uh, if you're an organization. Yeah. You love to have that depth, uh, especially when most of it can play uh, some pretty significant minutes in the league. That's awesome. Uh, and uh, depth is something that uh, we've come to expect here from the Rebels up front as well. Uh, despite losing Ben King and Jay Sizely and probably Jaden Group, there's still a lot of forward depth here, isn't there? Yeah, I think it's going to be a good forward group for sure. As you mentioned, uh, or we mentioned Kai Uchaz earlier on, 50 goals last year in the WHL, and uh, he'll be coming back as a 2003-born player, and uh, he'll be obviously counted on to uh, lead the Rebels offensively. All right, and that takes us to guys like uh, Jet Larson, who I thought was terrific last year. Kalen Lind, obviously, is a standout and uh, taken in the draft. And uh, the impact of Carson Latimer coming in, uh, this speed, I think, I think he's going to be a tremendous fit for the Rebels. Yeah, a very exciting pickup to get Carson Latimer as, uh, you know, the Wenatchee Wild, formerly the Winnipeg uh, Ice, looked to regroup and uh, pick up some draft picks. As Rebels were very glad to pick up Carson Latimer, and he's got a potential to be a, a point-per-game player for the Red Deer Rebels uh, going into this season. Jet Larson is a guy you mentioned there. Uh, he has been on the Rebels' uh, top line for parts of each of the last two seasons, so tells you how highly the the Rebels think of him. He's a shorter guy, but he's one of the, you know, better conditioned players out there, and he's not afraid to get in the corners, and he's got some finish to him as well. Kalen Lind, I mean, he's the perhaps outside of Kai Uchaz, the most uh, recognizable Rebels player outside of the, the Red Deer market for good reason. He's uh, an attention-getting player, I guess you could say, for all sorts of reasons. Obviously, he's got that peskiness about him gets under the nerves of uh, opposing players and whatnot does a great job of drawing penalties but he's also already uh, a point of guy player in the whl and was a second round draft pick of the nashville predators so obviously hopes are high that uh, he can come back and continue building on his offensive prowess in addition to being that uh, gritty you know annoying player to to try and uh, go up against um looking at some of the other players up front uh, ollie josephson uh, center going into his second season was the Rebels rookie of the year last year playing as their essentially their number three center for good chunks of the year he had the experience of winning gold this past summer with Canada at the Polinka Gretzky Cup so exciting opportunity for him to come back and build on that experience and another guy who actually played at that Holinka Gretzky Cup will be a newcomer to the Red Deer Rebels uh, his name Samuel Dranchak who the Rebels selected out of Czechia at this year's uh, CHL import draft so he slotted in as a center as well. He played for his home country at that tournament. And uh, he'll join Franisic Fermanic, who will be back here for year three out of Czechia as well. So that gives the Rebels some pretty good depth overall in their top six, uh, really their top nine up front. All right. I was going to ask you about the imports, and uh, you already uh, settled that question. So that's perfect for, uh, for Manic. And uh, <laughs> how, how do we pronounce it? Is it Dransak? Dranchak is Chak. my understanding. Just, uh, yeah. Watching a, watching some of his highlights and even watching the Holinka Gretzky tournament, they were going with Fran Chaks. So All right, perfect. Looking forward to meeting him next week. Uh, are there two or three guys that come to mind when you think of guys who are maybe third or fourth liners last year, but will be playing further up the depth chart, and they might go from you know ten points last season maybe into the thirties or forties just because of they're going to take on a lot more responsibility and get a lot more ice time. I think there's a couple of guys you can look at. Uh, Carson Burney out of Arcola, Saskatchewan. He was a rookie with the Rebels last year. He's an 05, so he'll be coming into his second uh, full season with the Red Deer Rebels. And, uh, you know, he found the net uh, fairly well last year, even in his 
his rookie season coming in last year, Carson Bernie last year with uh, 15 points in uh, 56 games. So he'll definitely get an opportunity. Uh, Talon Brigley is going into his third year, and he hasn't traditionally been counted on for offense. He's a tremendous skater, has a good shot, and has become a, a real dependable penalty killer mm. for the Red Rebels the last couple of years. Uh, he's perhaps another guy who's going to get a shot at uh, showing that he's got the offensive upside as well. I wondered about Raker Singer. I mean, he's a former first-round pick from by Prince George back in 2020, and you guys picked him up uh, what about the deadline last year. Uh, I know he didn't play a, a, a ton for the Rebels, but where does he fit in the mix? Yeah, Raker Singer, he came, comes in from Prince George, uh, scores two goals in his second game as a member of the Red Deer Rebels, and then uh, never did score another goal until uh, what ended up being the Rebels' last goal of the season in the Game 7 of Round 2 versus Saskatoon. So he'll be in tough uh, this year to you know, bounce back from what I think he would admit was a, a bit of a tough goal since coming to Red Deer. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, like you mentioned, with him being a former first-round pick, there could be some potential there. All right, Troy. Uh, always uh, want to set the bar for expectations for fans. I mean, this is the the, the top team in the division last year. Uh, despite losing some key guys, where do you uh, expect Red Deer to be performing this season? Are contending again for a division championship, or do they take a bit of a step back? Uh, what's realistic in your opinion? Well, last year the Rebels were excited to win their first Central Division title. Since uh, 2011, uh, that was the year that uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and, and Darcy Kemper uh, anchored the Rebels to that division title. So it just puts in perspective how long it was between first place finishes uh, for the Red Deer Rebels. And I know that hopes are for this season that they can compete for the, I guess, the possibility of doing the same. We touched on it in goal. However, the tandem shakes down between the four guys we talked about. Rebels are going to be strong in net. Red Deer is going to have, I think, excellence. Uh, excellent on defense that we talked about as well and uh you know if they can get some good starts this year from the Chaz is the Kalen Lins and Jet Larsons and and those types for antisynchromatics up front to lead the offensive attack then who knows what the Rebels might be able to uh to do as the season goes on they haven't traditionally you know loaded up mid-season outside of Memorial Cup years either you know when they were winning the Memorial Cup in 01 or when the club hosted in 2016 but if things get off to a good start the Rebels could perhaps be buyers use some of the assets they've stockpiled in the last few years to see what they might be capable of but uh, I would certainly uh, expect uh, the Rebels to be in solid shape for a, a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference this year and uh, certainly uh hoping to be a contender for another division title. Is it reasonable to think that early on, I mean, in camp with the goaltending situation, that there's going to be one guy who's out of the picture. And if if Red Deer's got a hole through camp that they figure, okay, we need a, another guy in this position, they could make that trade and they could get a significant player for one of those goaltenders to fill a, a forward spot if need be. Is that something that I think is reasonable to think of, uh, at least maybe in September, if not early October? Absolutely. I mean, that's the, a possibility for any team that's in that particular situation. I mean, obviously with Chase Coward being a, a 2003, that's a factor you have to take into consideration with him being an overage player and the, the battle he'll be in to try and secure one of just uh, three overage spots on this roster. Mm-hmm. But with Kyle Kelsey and Red Stoser and, and Chase Witzke all in the mix as well, that's definitely a possibility. I mean, do the Rebels ride with three goaltenders on their roster for you know, part of the, or to start the regular season, that could be something as well. I mean, 
You're exactly right when you say training camp uh, makes for some interesting battles, and uh, that'll definitely be something to watch. And as uh, Brent Sutter and Associate General Manager Sean Sutter take stock of what this Red Deer Rebels club has and what it means to get to where it wants to be, that is a definite possibility. Is there a story going into camp that you're curious about or something about the team that you're, you're, you're looking forward to uh, having answered for you as camp gets closer? Well, I think obviously with the new head coach coming in, it would be very exciting to get a feel for how Derek Walser uh, is going to run his team. This is his first goal as a head coach at any level. And uh, we mentioned he's got the extensive assistant coaching experience. So I think that's going to be uh, fun to watch just to have him sort of start to put his stamp on this uh, Red Deer Rebels franchise. Uh, outside of that, the, the battle for those uh, 2003 roster spots are, mm-hmm. are going to be fun to watch. And uh, outside of that, too, I think it's going to be interesting to see who steps up to help solidify the, the bottom six for the the Red Deer Rebels up front uh, between guys that are, are coming back and uh, some younger guys who have either played a handful of games last year or are coming into you know, battle for spots for the first time to see if they can crack the roster as well. When does camp open? Players will check in uh, on August 31st, and then ice sessions get going September 1. All right, and uh, preseason gets going for the Rebels on the 8th at a, in a game in Calgary. you got the Oil Kings uh, at home on uh, the 9th as well, and Edmonton and, Cal- or Edmonton and Red Deer get together quite often uh, in the early parts of uh, seasons normally, but uh, four times this year in the first like 10 games or something uh we're gonna get sick of each other (laughs) well if we haven't done that by now i don't know (laughs) i mean well last year the rebels and oil kings played nine times head to head and uh, those games were all done by i think mid-january so we certainly saw a lot of each other in the first half of last year and uh picking up right where things left off like you say early on in this year well you're great host down at the centrum the, except for the stairs but there's always troubled monk for us at the after the game well i was going i was going to say there's one thing that uh, you gee because uh you know we all know that uh, the troubled monk and the fine folks there are are proud sponsors of the pipeline show they're also <laughs> a proud support uh, proud supporters of the the red deer rebels so uh will it be a, a nice cold troubled monk waiting for you for uh having to climb all the stairs here yeah probably I trade you for some Wilhawk Beach jerky, though. I think I can arrange that. Okay. All right. I think we've made our first deal of the season. <laughs> Look at that. Uh, Troy, this has been fantastic. Thanks for this, Manuel. We'll see you in, in, in early in the season, if not in the preseason. Looking forward to it. Thanks, as always. That was Troy Gillard, the voice of the Red Deer Rebels. And I had that conversation with him on Monday. Uh, as I'm speaking with you right now, this is uh, Thursday. show will come out uh, on Friday. Uh, the this is the risk of not doing it live on the radio type of thing like we used to be able to do. But when you put together a show like this, you compile interviews through the week, some things can change. Well, two days after I had that conversation with Troy, the Red Deer Rebels made a trade with the Prince Albert Raiders. So Chase Coward no longer with the Rebels. He is now a member of the Prince Albert Raiders. So that portion of the conversation where we were talking about the goaltending situation well, it's been fairly cleared up. It's going to be Kyle Kelsey and Rhett Stoser again uh, for uh, Red Deer, which was basically what they had for this past season. And they, uh, the going into the year, they were both rookies. Big question mark, could they do it? Well, they did. They played very well. It was great that Coward was able to come back from double hip surgery. Uh, but as a 20-year-old, there just wasn't spot for him. Uh, so he is now a member of the Prince Albert Raiders. 
So that's how quickly things can change here uh, on the on the pipeline show as you're uh, putting things together. Uh, so if you're listening to this and you're wondering why we were talking about that when you know the trades already happened, well, it hadn't happened at the time we were having that conversation. All right, we've got four more teams this week we're going to talk about. We're going to look at the Everett Silvertips, the Prince George Cougars, the Spokane Chiefs. But next, it's the Regina Pats. Dante DeCaria is the voice of the Pats, and he's next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Feist off the boards to center. Now over the blue line, Bedard, high slot, drag. What a move, Bedard! Through the legs! Scores! What a beautiful goal by Connor Bedard in Calgary! Holy smokes! I'm Connor Bedard for the Regina Pass, and this is the Pipeline Show. Oscar from Atchison loves Wilhawk beef jerky. I'll never forget it. <laughs> Heading to the lake. Three screaming kids in the back. Let's get ice cream, we said. Sour, soupy sundaes all over the van. But then I found Wilhawk beef jerky. Tender, seasoned pieces of meat smoked to perfection. Perfect for keeping little mouths busy. And best of all, no sloppy surprises. And I always make sure to bring a little extra to eat around the campfire. Thanks, Wilhawk. Wilhawk beef jerky. It's the best. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. I used to be able to throw a pigskin quarter mile. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Back on the Pipeline Show as we continue the team by team playoff previews. The program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best. You can get it throughout Western Canada by going to wilhockbeefjerky.com. The next stop on the tour is in Regina. The Regina Pats coming off a really impressive season last year and a uh, busy offseason for my next guest as he's the voice of the Pats. That's Dante DeCaria. Dante, welcome back to the program. How are you? Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Pleased to uh, get a chance to speak with you. You you were just telling me busy offseason with the, the NHL draft and changes behind the bench and upstairs and management for the team and then uh, you had some other stuff on the go too so thanks for fitting me in yeah thank you so much for having me it's been uh it's been an interesting summer um obviously you know going to nashville and taking part in the nhl draft was uh definitely a really cool experience that i'll never forget and uh as much as it's sad to see john paddock go who i love my time working under i'm really excited to see what al miller brings to the team and uh uh, for those that don't know, Brad Haroff worked extremely hard to earn this opportunity, and I think um, you know it's going to be really interesting to see what he does behind the bench, and I think he's going to fit in nicely. All right, well, we'll get to the roster in a second, but we probably have to start with the uh, the off ice uh, changes to the team. And you mentioned uh, Alan Miller comes in as the GM after John Paddock retires. Uh, this is a guy obviously very familiar with not just junior hockey but the WHL, and in fact. Your division as well, a guy coming from the uh, rival Moose Jaw Warriors uh, in his last WHL stop. Uh, what are the early expectations here for how things might look different on the ice uh, just because of a change upstairs? Yeah, Guy, I listened to an interview that you did with Al when he first got hired by the Pats, and I know that you and him talked a little bit about the adjustment coming over because um, he hasn't been in the league, per se, for two years. He's seen a lot of the star players due to his scouting with Hockey Canada's U18 program and their World Junior team. But um, I don't think it's going to be a really difficult transition for Al, just because, as you mentioned, he's been around the division, et cetera, et cetera. He's got a lot of connections in hockey. But if you think about it, like 
Um, he had scouted the 05s and the 06s technically, right? Yeah. So he's got a pretty good grasp. So he's seen everybody in the league from 20-year-old down to 17-year-old. The only guys that he hasn't seen really are the 07s and 08s. He only missed two years, right? Because he was still the GM of Moose Jaw during the hub. So he would have scouted the 05s 100%. He would have seen some of the 06s briefly, but he's seen the 04s. He's seen the 03s. So um, he's kind of got a little bit of a grasp on more than half the league, and I think that's a positive because he wasn't that far removed from his time in the Western Hockey League, if you want to kind of think about it that way. But, uh, you know, really excited to see what Al does. Uh, you know, obviously a lot of question marks with the roster this year. When you lose a guy that scored 71 goals and 143 points, there's no question that's going to be the elephant in the room. Sure. Um, you get, and you know, potentially a new goaltending tandem with QA coming in and, you know, hopefully Drew Sim. And then, you know, remains to be seen if Alexander Suzelev comes back because, you know, he's currently not listed on the active roster. Uh, he's currently, you know, uh, gearing up for uh, hopefully for him a pro season in the American Hockey League. But you never know what happens because, I mean, heck, last year, obviously a year older, but Ryder Korzak began his season in Hartford with the Rangers AHL affiliate and then ended up finding himself a Moose Jaw. So that very well could be the case. And then, you know, how much weight is going to be on the shoulders of uh, of Tanner Howe, right? 85 sure. points last year, 30-plus goals. Uh, obviously, Alan Miller is going to be looking to hopefully get some um, some help for him up front. But, you know, I was looking at the roster a little bit, and I know I've gone off topic a little bit, but, you know, you look at guys like Sam Aremba, seventh overall pick by Seattle, traded to Regina for a pretty steep package. He's obviously expected as an 18-year-old to carry a little bit more of the load offensively this year. Then you have hopefully a healthy Ty Spencer, hopefully a healthy Borea Vallis, who was injured during the postseason. I think maybe if he plays in that playoff series against the Blades, the Pats might be able to, to beat Saskatoon because it was just so close. So obviously a lot of question marks uh, defensively, definitely a lot of holes. They're, they lack a lot of veterans on the back end. I think Leighton Feist and Parker Berg are really the only guys with a substantial amount of games on that defensive core. So uh, a very young defensive core, but Hey, the beauty about junior hockey gee is you just never know. You never know who's going to step it up. I mean, who would have predicted that Ben King would have, you know, led the league in, in goals two years ago, right? So uh, definitely, you know, an interesting season coming up, but uh, really excited to see how things play out. All right, you've already gone through the entire roster. I was going to go through the, each position a little bit uh, more uh, closely after we were done with the uh, GM and the head coach. So I, I'll get back to all the roster guys in a second. I want to start, uh, well, we started with Alan Miller. Let's go to the head coach, uh, Brad Haroff. And I guess that, that familiarity with the, with the team, because he was on the bench already, I think Alan uh, addressed that when he was on the show, just talked about that continuity uh, was a key part in uh, promoting him. Uh, and I think that should make that transition to a new head coach pretty smooth. Do you agree? Yeah, I would definitely agree with you, Guy. Uh, I've had, uh, I'm, I'm thankful to have good relationships with a lot of players on this team. And um, I, I remember through throughout the off season and uh, towards the end of last season when, you know, guys weren't sure if, if John was going to return or not, they all said to me, well, if they decide to promote Brad, I hope they pr- decide to, to promote Brad. I'm really excited to, to play for him next year if that were to be the case and then as we kind of got closer to that decision I had a couple of players reach out to me and, and ask if that was going to be the case obviously it had to be tight lips mm-hmm. um, but a lot of them said well if that is the case I, I can't wait to get started with Brad uh, you know we've had a couple of community events with uh, you know Sam Maremba and Tanner Howe and a couple of the other players here that are in town and they've all expressed their excitement to play under Brad and even leading up to that 
that coaching decision, they were extremely excited uh, for something like that if it did happen, which it did. So I, I definitely agree with you, um, Guy. I, I think Brad has a lot of respect from these players. They really like him. Um, he's a very intense individual, but he's a very, very, very smart hockey guy and he's a fantastic guy as well. Um, he, he demands a lot from his players, but uh, he has their best interests at heart. And I love somebody like that. You know, there's nothing better than somebody who's really hard on you, but it's because he cares about you. And mm. I, I truly believe he cares about this group. And uh, I think the players are going to respond um, really good to him going into this year. All right, let's get to those players. And first, we'll mention the players who aren't back from last year's team uh, as they age out from the league. That would be Riley Janelle uh, as well uh, from the blue line, Luke Bateman and Tanner Brown. Of course, Connor Bedard won't be back uh, with the team. He'll be a little busy in Chicago this year. You mentioned Alexander Suzdalev, uh, who, question mark, I mean, he's young enough to come back, certainly young enough. He's only uh, 2004, but being drafted outside of the CHL means Washington could put him in the American Hockey League, and you mentioned that's uh, what's expected at this point. Uh, we'll see uh, as uh, uh, the season gets closer. But let's start in net, and the goaltenders that were on the playoff roster for the, the Pats were Drew Sim, Lachlan Gordon, Kelton Pine, and, of course, now we've got a new import player uh, after they've signed Ewan Hewitt to the team. What's the goaltending situation like, if not uh, with one of those players? Are, are all four of those guys still in the mix? I'm not sure about Lachlan Gordon, given that he's a 20-year-old and obviously he played in Portland a couple of years ago and he's got some experience in the Alberta Junior League. As far as I know, he's still on their list, okay. um, but that could very well change going into camp. Um, so I'm not sure about Lachlan Gordon. Um, Drew, Drew Sim was, was, was really fatigued last year, so they had to kind of bring him in as somebody that uh, could carry the load in practice, believe it or not, because I say this jokingly, but I, I'm not actually joking, but... Guys like Connor Bedard and Alexander Suzdalev needed a goalie to shoot on, and it couldn't just be Kelton Pine and Drew Sim all the time. And sometimes they would bring in a, a junior B goalie or yep. University of Regina goalie to, to, to take shots for them in practice. <laughs> One of the reasons why they brought in Lockman Gordon was just a little bit of depth back there. And it's funny that I'm saying this, but believe it or not, it was um, incredibly beneficial for Drew Sim and Kelton Pine so that they didn't have to take shots from Bedard <laughs> for the whole week. <laughs> Anyways, uh, just to continue with the goaltending, uh, you know, Drew Sim expected to be back, same with um, Hugh Hayes and Pine. So it's going to be a goaltending battle at training camp. You're going to have, you know, two old fives and a 20-year-old. Um, it remains to be seen. I mean, last year we saw the Regina Pats bring in four goaltenders and let them battle it out. And uh, it ended up being Drew Sim and Matthew Keeper, and then Keeper got traded to Kamloops, and then it was Kelton Pine and Drew Sim. But to start at training camp, it was Drew Sim, Matthew Keeper, and Cohen McInnes, with Drew Sim looking to be the odd man out last year, and it ended up being McInnes after they ran with three goalies to start the season with Pine going down to junior race. So uh, it's always kind of a coin flip. You just never know. Um, it's so tough, goaltending in junior hockey, goaltending in general. You just got to hope that those guys all had a good off season and they're motivated. As I'm sure you and I both know, Guy, that um, the mental side of the game for being a goaltender is incredibly important. So uh, maybe having three guys at training camp is uh, going to light a fire under the three of them because they're all going to be battling for two spots. What do we know about uh, Ewan Huey? Uh, we know his, his father, Cristobal Huey, played in, in the NHL for a number of uh, years. Uh, do we know much about Ewan at this point? Yeah, I, I read a little, some of the articles with Translate, so it is what it is. Uh, so I did do a little bit of research on him. Uh, there, I think mid-season last year, there was an article about 
you know, some teams looking at him for the NHL draft, maybe getting on the NHL Central scouting rankings, uh, which he did not, but he's got to have a pretty good crack at it. He will be representing Switzerland at uh, the World Juniors, you would think. He's going to their uh, World Junior Selection Camp, actually, I think next week or so. So I'm, I don't think he'll be in Regina on time. I'm not sure how long that camp goes for. So um, he's got to have some skill if you're going to be playing you know, with those type of players. He played at the U18 tournament uh, this past spring. Uh, from what I understand, he's he's an athletic goaltender. He's not overly big, but he's pretty quick on his feet. But I mean, Guy, you've been around this league longer than me. You're with the imports. You really just don't know. Yeah. You know how many how many teams bring in these imports that they're really high on, and then all of a sudden it's not what they expected, right? Like, what was it? Regina, my first year had Alex Getzi, a Slovakian import, who was a third overall pick in the draft, who they ended up getting on waivers from Sarnia, and he came in and only lasted like what was it, eight games or something like that, mm-hmm. right? You, you just never know. I mean, unless they're drafted by an NHL club, I think that QA is going to be a really good goaltender, but they do have some depth back there, and it's going to be a battle on who wins the job. So, uh, like I said, don't know if I know too much about him. I think the bloodlines definitely helps. So, hey, we'll see what happens. The blue line now, Bateman and Brown gone uh, as they age out of the league. And uh, is there a question mark with Stanislaus Fozil, or do we know that he isn't coming back? He's he's uh, signed by Columbus as well. well. He played in the NHL last year, two games, yep. so I wouldn't think that he'd be back. But he he'll, he's 20 now, so he'll play in the American Hockey League. Um, had a chance to catch up with him this summer, Guy, and uh, he's really excited to play pro hockey next year. I think there's no question that he'll be playing in the American League um, this coming season. Maybe he gets a chance to play some games in the NHL, but obviously, as most hockey fans saw this offseason, the Blue Jackets made some acquisitions on their, their blue line to kind of shore up the back end. So I, I would think that he probably starts um, in the American League. I, I don't see him playing here in Regina. As far as the rest of the, the defensive core, you mentioned you lose three guys, Fosel, Bateman, and Tanner Brown. That's, uh, that, those are tough. Yep. Those are tough guys to lose, man, because they logged a lot of minutes last year. So you got Parker Berg as a 20, Leighton Feist as a 19-year-old, and then you go down the rest of the list and you've got some 18, 17-year-old guys, right? Like not a lot of, um, I guess, experience on the back end, which, as you and I both know, is incredibly important um, in the Western Hockey League in order to compete for a playoff spot. Uh, I'm really high on Aaron Kristanovich, to be quite honest with you. Uh, he was leaning towards the college route before Regina was able to sway him over to signing with the Pats um, after the season was over. So that was a huge acquisition. He's definitely going to be in the top six. Corbin Vaughn is going to probably be asked to, you know, to take a step forward this year. He was a 16-year-old last year, a, a tough defenseman. And, uh, you know, he'll be 17 now, so in a really important year for him. And then you, you mix in guys like Carter Herman and Ty Plazier and Colton Bridgman. Again, all young guys. I mean, mm-hmm. Uh, Plazier had a taste last year, played mostly junior A. Carter Herman played a little bit of junior A and had a little bit of a taste with the Pats. Uh, Colton Bridgman had a taste with the Pats, played in AAA, U18 with the Pat Canadians. So, again, as I mentioned, not a lot of experience on the back end. In fact, I was going through, like, my milestones for my game notes for the upcoming season. Yeah. And uh, Leighton Feist has played 150 odd games in the Western Hockey League. And Parker Berg has also played around 150 as well. So, uh, nobody near the 200 game mark and then everybody else is all under 100 so uh, not a lot of experience on the back end you'll be seeing some guys 
with less than 30 games on their resume playing uh, to start the season for the Pats. All right. Well, interesting. Uh, I guess that'll be a, a position of uh, with a bit of a question mark then, I guess, to uh, start the season. And not to say that the guys can't do it or rise to the occasion. They just haven't had that uh, that opportunity yet. They will get uh, early this season for sure. With the forward group, uh, we mentioned Riley Janelle not back and, and obviously uh, Connor Bedard and Suzlev being a question mark. Other than that, is there anybody else from last year's playoff roster up front that isn't back? No, I mean, I think you listed off the guys that won't be back for sure. Uh, Connor Bedard and Riley Janelle, uh, obviously a question mark with Alexander Suzdalev, who might start uh, the season in the American League. But again, uh, who knows? Yep. We'll see what Washington obviously thinks of uh, Suzdalev uh, come, tra- come their training camp. So, yeah, like I said, uh, if anybody can get him here, it's it's definitely... Uh, the Pats, because I know he loved playing in Regina. I know he loved his teammates, uh, and he was huge. He was huge for the Pats last year. So, uh, like I said, we'll we'll see what happened with Suzdalev. But uh, you know, I talked about the forwards a little bit off the top of the show, and uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see you know who steps it up. Vallis was hurt last year, missed all of the postseason. Uh, he'll be 19, so somebody that's going to be playing in a top six role. Samaremba is probably going to be asked to to play, you know, in a top six role rather than a top nine role like he had last year. Tanner Howe is back. He had 85 points last season. So, yeah, up front, I'm actually pretty optimistic with the group. Hopefully Ty Spencer can stay healthy. I'd like to see what he could do. And then if you add in Suzdalev, that's a pretty good, you know, forward mix, right? And then, hey, don't forget about Cole Temple as well. Obviously, we don't want to put a ton of expectations on him as a 16-year-old because Obviously, fans here in Regina were pretty spoiled with the 16-year-olds they had mm-hmm. in the 2021-22 the season with Bedard and Howe and what they did. Howe with 69 points and Bedard with 100, which is just like you'll never see that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So um, not a lot of an ask for Cole Temple, who was a fifth overall pick by, by the Pats a couple of years ago. But hey, uh, from what I understand and from what I saw at spring camp, he may be one of the best skaters on the Pats roster already. Like wow. that's that's how good he is, right? So generally those guys, those lottery picks are expected to be top players right off the bat, but I would expect him to be probably around a 30-point guy, right? But it's going to take some time. It's, it's an adjustment, or maybe he comes right out of the gate, you know, flying. But I use Tanner Howe as a little bit of an example. I, he didn't record a point my first year of the team as it's when he was a 16-year-old until game 12 or something like that, and then he just exploded and had, you know, 60-plus points the rest of the year. So you know, it takes a little bit of an adjustment for some guys, but uh, I think adding Cole Temple to the mix is definitely going to be really exciting for the future. For for people listening to this who maybe don't follow the Pats as closely as obviously you do and and maybe the the regular WHL watcher, NHL fans, they're going to get to know the name Tanner Howe. But for someone who hasn't seen him play yet, can you give us a bit of a scouting report? Because I, I really like Tanner Howe, uh, and I think he got overshadowed a lot because of some of the big names on the roster the last couple of years, but man, this is a terrific player. No, he's awesome. You're, you're totally, you hit the nail on the head, but he's a defensive guy. You know, a lot of people look at the scoring, they see the 35 goals, they see the, the 85 points and they go, man, this guy's got top six potential written all over him in the national hockey league. But I, I don't see him as much of a scorer. He's a very good playmaker, but his best assets, are what he does away from the puck. He's incredibly smart, which is what made him and Connor Bedard so success- successful in their two years playing together on the Pats roster is because 
how could be responsibly defensively and Bedard could take the puck up the ice and the Pats, you know, could still score goals and play defense as well. Right. I, I, again, I'm no NHL scout, but I, I predict him playing in the national hockey league one day, but more in a, a Chris Kunitz type role, hmm. right. Still has the ability to put the puck in the back of the net and put up some points, but is he going to be an 85 point guy in the national hockey league? Probably not. But he'll play anywhere in your top nine, I think. And uh, he's very mature. He's very smart. He knows his game. He knows that his his best assets are his hockey IQ, his shot blocking ability, his ability to strip pucks, uh, to play on the PK, be solid defensively. That's what you're going to get from him. I know a lot of people are exciting with you know his scoring at the junior level, but I think as he progresses and hopefully as a first round pick this year and eventually reaches the National Hockey League, you'll see him as a uh, a very steady player, a guy in any top nine in the NHL, but still, hey, you need those guys, right? You need those those players on your roster. He's asked to play a different role this year, more of a, a leader, more of a scorer, right, with Bedard gone. But I think the, his potential is more suited in a, you know, a top nine role, a middle six role where he can kind of focus on defense and put the puck in and uh, create create some plays when he can. I wonder what your expectations for Sam Aremba are. He was, you know, a high draft pick, seventh overall, I believe, in his draft year uh, by the Seattle Thunderbirds yeah. and buried on a roster there that was playoff contender uh, or a championship contender. Uh, comes to Regina. It's his hometown, so I'm sure that was nice for him. 24 points in 63 games last year for the Pats. It was okay, but I, I think there's – I'm not sure we've seen the best of Sam Aremba yet. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think his – this season is going to be really important for him and the sky's the limit. The ice time is there. Yeah. And I, you know, it's funny. I was, I was thinking about this the other day and I look back to Adam Brooks's 18 year old year. I, I believe he had like 15 points as a 17 year old with the Pats, John Paddock and the, the new ownership group came in and gave Brooks an opportunity with a lot of ice time and he flourished and he put up 60 plus points as an 18 year old. And I mean, as you know, Guy, you saw him, I didn't, uh, the rest is history, right? So I could see maybe a similar situation where Sam is given kind of everything to succeed. He's given top six role. He's given power play time. He's given opportunities in all situations. And I do expect a lot from him. I know he's been working extremely hard this offseason. I've had the opportunity uh, to see him at a couple of our community events over the course of the summer, given that he is a local guy and he plays here. Uh, there's some sort of pressure with being from Regina and playing for the Pats. So, how he handles that, I'm not sure. Um, I think last year was a nice taste. It was nice for him to come home, be with his family, go to school and graduate with his friends. I know that was something that he really enjoyed and was looking forward to, so I'm happy he was able to do that. But now he doesn't have to go to high school anymore. He can just play hockey. And it's uh, it's going to be a big year for Sam Maremba. And if the Pats want to make the playoffs, they're going to need a big season from Sam Maremba because, as you and I have talked about, you lose 71 goals from Bedard. You, you lose 78 points from Stanislav Skolzel, maybe 86 points from Alexander Suzelev, 38 of them being goals. Uh, other guys are going to have to step it up. I look at Aremba as one of them. I look at Ty Spencer as another, Zachary Chance as well. Those are all guys with um, a lot of upside offensively, but just a matter of kind of putting it all together. Dante, let's end it with expectations and where you set the bar for expectations this year. This was a team that did make the playoffs last year for the first time in a while, uh, but with all those losses, a pretty young, inexperienced blue line, would that be unfair to this group to expect playoffs this year, or 
I mean, that's the goal, obviously, is to at least get in and go from there. But where do you? What's your expectation? I don't know, to be honest with you. I really don't. I've thought about it a few times. I could see them. I could see them getting in. I could see them getting in the seventh or eighth spot. Like, here's the thing. It really depends on how everyone else is doing as well. Like, sure. you look at last year. The Pats essentially finished with a 500 record, 34, 30, and 4, right, with four extra time losses, which was good enough for sixth. And then the seventh-place team was uh, slightly above 500 or around 500, and then the eighth-place team was under 500, right? So, meanwhile, the 2021-22 season, uh, the Pats were 12 games under 500 and missed the playoffs by two points. Yeah. So, it really depends on how top-heavy the division is. Right. I think that's what it's going to come down to. It also comes down to the head to head matchups with Winnipeg out. Obviously, slightly di- different schedule change. Swift Current is not in the Pats division just yet. So they only play them six times. They're expected to be a good se- team. But I believe the Pats play Moose Jaw 10 times this year. And they're expected to be probably the best team in the Eastern Division and one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference, if not the best team in the Eastern Conference. You're going to have to play PA eight times. You're going to have to play Brandon eight times. You're going to have to play Saskatoon eight times. <laughs> Those are all really tough teams, man. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's really going to come down to on how they do head to head against uh, against these tough teams because there are there are some teams like Saskatoon and Moose Jaw who they're going to have to play a lot. I'm not sure where Brandon lies, uh, and, but obviously they do have a lot of talent. They've got a highly regarded goaltender coming back. They've got Danielson coming back, who was a high pick by Detroit. So we'll see what they're able to do up front. Uh, Roger McQueen comes back a year older as well. They've got some good guys on the back end too. So I don't know what my expectations are. I I think they can can make the playoffs, but it's really going to come down to on what else happens around the division. Who would have predicted that Swift Current would have missed the playoffs and finished under 509? I don't think anybody would have, right? That's fair. So again, is it going to be be one of those years where you're – 12, 13 games under 500, and you can still make the playoffs? Or is it one of those years where you have to finish over 500 to make the playoffs? Well, it all gets started at training camp, and when does that begin for Regina? Uh, looking like August 31st, so next week. Excellent. Dante, I really appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy camp, and uh, we'll see you when the Pats roll through Edmonton. Sounds good, Keith. Looking forward to seeing you. The one and only Dante DiCaria, voice of the Regina Pats, and a new look for them because uh, with a new GM and a new head coach, I think it's fair to expect some changes on the ice. Not only that, but with uh, obviously losing the nuclear deterrent, the nuclear option, as my friend Dean Millard likes to say. Not having Connor Bedard on your power play and on the ice for 30-plus minutes, that, that's going to be a huge difference for the Regina Pats. I think the biggest difference, though, is going to be on their blue line. Really young, really inexperienced, and how will that affect things? Do the Pats make the playoffs this year? Let me know what you think. Hit me up on Twitter, or X, or both, at TPS underscore Gee. Next up, our first stop into the U.S. division. Well, that's not who we're talking about next. It's going to be the Everett Silver Tips, and that means Casey Bryant, the voice of the tips. He's next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Willock Beef Jerky. Dallas fed him the puck. Now Dallas spins and fires. Hart doesn't have it, does he? No, he kept it out. What a stop by Carter Hart right on the goal line. Woof, skipped off his glove, and it stayed out by millimeters. Hey, it's Carter Hart of the Everett Silver Tips, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. Oh, life, I'm gonna live. 
education, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 93% rate. Trevor Zegras. And they score on the lacrosse move. Jake Gensel. Gensel banks it towards the goalie. Score. Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr. Stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. My goodness gracious, man! Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Hello there, children. All right, it's back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. The program brought to you, of course, by Wilhock Beef Jerky. That's Alberta's best. You can get it throughout Western Canada. WilhockBeefJerky.com, but that means, uh, unfortunately, my next guest can't get it because he's in the States. Although, Casey Bryant, the voice of the Everett Silvertips, maybe you can get it when you come up to Edmonton this year. How about that? Yeah, save me a pack. I'll uh, <laughs> I'll hold you to that. Thanks so much for having me on, Guy. I appreciate it. Well, pleasure to get a chance to speak with you again. And for the listeners' benefit, we're chatting right now. Camps haven't opened yet. That should be starting, what, probably next week, late next week? Yeah, we're uh, we're about nine days away from players reporting, so we're we're excited here. It's uh it's really coming down the stretch of things really starting to get going. All right, so the end of summer, and you've made time to come on the pipeline show, so I really appreciate that, Casey. Uh, we're going to uh, go through the roster and and look ahead to this coming season, uh, but before we can look at this coming season's team, we, uh, let's reflect on who's not back and the the three twenty year olds. That uh, that the Everett Silvertips will lose uh, due to age, uh, Jackson Berezowski, Raphael Pelche, and Aiden Sutter. Anyone else from last year's team that we saw, you know, in the playoffs who are not going to be back this year? You know, there's been a couple of trades, Guy, uh, where Orange Stroman missed a lot of the year. He's been he's been traded away. Uh, the Vincent Lamana, who uh, was heading into his 03 season, has passed through waivers uh, and will not be back with the club. So there's been a few. Uh, transactions and a few changing faces, but that does mean that, especially with some of the draft capital that we've acquired uh, over the last couple of months, that the Silver Tips have been able to kind of wheel and deal and bring in some new faces. So uh, while while certainly the losses will be felt, particularly Berezowski, who leaves with many a franchise accolade under his belt, mm-hmm. uh, there's there's some exciting new faces up and down the roster that I think have Silvertip fans. It gives them a lot of reasons to be excited for this coming season. All right, well, with camp opening next week, what's the goaltending situation look like? How many guys are coming into camp that you're aware of? I know we're still a little bit away, so I'm not sure if it, the camp rosters have been 100% finalized just yet, but what's that position look like? Well, you know, right now uh, there is an 03 birth year, an overager in Tyler Palmer, who was acquired just after the holidays uh, for the Silver Tips and really stole a lot of games mm-hmm. forever down the stretch. Uh, the Silver Tips really rode their number one goaltender the entire season, whether it was Braden Holt in the first half or Tyler Palmer in the second half. So Palmer got a lot of ice time last year, and I think that he really he flourished i i really think so and he became something of a fan favorite because you know i you've been around the league a long time you know that everett fans love their goalies Mm -hmm. uh you know the silver tips have a proud history at that position so it looks like palmer if he has a good camp and he and all things go well he could be the rarity of an overage goaltender and uh the silver tips did trade for ethan chadwick as well from the saskatoon blades who Won some big games for them in the postseason last year as part of that big dramatic comeback uh, against Red Deer and, you know, part of the big series against the Regina Pats, too. So 
those two, Chadwick being an 0-4 birth year, will have some healthy competition for a kind of 1A, 1B situation. There's some young kids, too. There's an 0-5 birth year by the name of Donovan Bodner, who the Silver Tips traded for at the deadline last year from the Winterhawks system. Uh, there's a youngster, Corbin Sanderman, who has signed his uh, his scholarship and development agreement with the club, who I think a lot of scouts are very high on as the future of the position. Uh, potentially. So there's there's some great and a lot of other prospects that are listed and signed as well. So there's there's a lot of uh, deep talent. But right now, it seems the veterans are going to lead the way, at least to, to my untrained eye. All right. And for the casual fan, Tim Metzger was uh, with the team last year, a Swiss import player, not back this season. He is not. No, uh, he's elected to to to. The, the the club elected to send him back into the import draft. He went unselected there, so it would appear as though he's going to be head back to Europe. Tim is a really great kid, uh, and I think that he got a taste of, of North American hockey, and it, that comes with a lot of changes, and I think he'd be the first to admit that there's quite a lot that goes into adjusting not just to North American lifestyle, but also North American hockey, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that he's a better player for having gone through those rigors. He had some really great moments, and uh you know he's he's got a uh, and a great build to him too. He's six six, which as a goaltender will take you a lot of places. No so kidding. I, I think Timmy will be will have quite a future in the game. All right. Well, with uh, Tyler Palmer and Ethan Chadwick, that's a great one-two punch. Uh, lots of experience in the WHL at that position, uh, and I, I think at the junior level, having that much experience in net, that's a huge bonus for a team, isn't it? Absolutely. And I mean, it's really going to come most in handy when you start having those, you know three and threes, those, those four and fives, the, the long road trips up to the Eastern division, you know, or excuse me, to the central division this year. Uh, you know, that's when you really start to get into there, you know, last year, as I mentioned, you know, the number one goaltender kind of got every single start on what, you know, in case of emergency Metzger got some ice time and it wasn't really until late in the year. Uh, this year, I think that there's just a lot more trust uh, and a lot more, of uh, knowing what you're going to get out of the uh, the goaltenders this year. Tyler Palmer is an established veteran. Ethan Chadwick has a lot of big games under his belt. I think you're looking at security more than anything else. All right, let's go to the uh, blue line, uh, Casey. Casey Bryant is my guest, voice of the Everett Silvertips. Uh, and um, I'm looking at the guys who were leading the way offensively last year. Well, for the team overall, it was mostly forwards. Aiden Sutter no longer with the club, and he was the top-scoring defenseman. And, of course, Olin Zellweger uh, ended the year with the Kamloops Blazers. Next offensive leader would be Ty Gibson, who I'm not sure that we should be expecting a ton of offense from him. So who kind of takes over that role this year? You know, on on the blue line, you're looking at Caden Hamill. Uh, Caden Hamill is someone who was acquired for Olin Zellweger and Ryan Hofer at the trade deadline. Part of that massive 14 asset uh, yeah. haul that uh, that GM Dennis Williams got at the trade deadline. And uh, I think that Caden Hamill has a lot of gusto to his game. As soon as he came in, he's a very confident puck handler. And he's someone that obviously caught NHL eyes being drafted by the Seattle Kraken in the fifth round uh, this past NHL draft. He's got a great skating stride to him. And I think he's got a really as good as his vision is of the ice, he's got a great shot when he's put in the right position. So I think as a right-hander, you're looking at Hamill to drive the offense. You could get a little more out of uh, Nico Sakumis, who's uh, an 05 berth here on the blue line, as well as Eric Jamison, who uh, attended Seattle Kraken development camp in July alongside Caden Hamill as an undrafted invitee. Uh, he's got a really big body to him, a good booming shot, a hard hitter. 
Uh, I don't think that you're going to quite see uh, a a Olin Zellweger type again this year, but that's probably just because Olin Zellweggers don't grow on trees. Yes. Right? They're they're kind of once <laughs> once every ten years or so. Uh, so I think that you're going to see not necessarily the high flying, high octane defense, but you're going to see more scoring by committee, which I think that this coaching staff. Uh, is is trying to cultivate more and more. But Hamill, I think, is probably going to be the biggest starlet in terms of scoring on the blue line, if I had to predict. All right, and there were some young guys with the blue line group last year who probably take on a bigger role this season. Uh, when you look at that blue line core overall, what sort of uh, characteristic do you see from them? Because I know there's a bunch of undersized guys, but there's also some beef back there too. I think so, yeah. I think a lot of – you look at a team like Tri-City last year, right? And Tri-City – didn't really have any other than Dragasevic. It was kind of Dragasevic and everyone else on the blue line. So you kind of had one guy roaming, creating offense, and then everyone else just played a very simplistic game, uh, a very hard-nosed chip and chase, get it out, play smart, and it led to a lot of great regular season success. I think that that's the hallmark of any great team is you have a cohesive unit where you're never worried about what the matchups are necessarily. You're, you're never worried about a drastic stylistic change in play from one pairing to the next. You're always kind of looking at what is the unit doing? Where can we dependably send the puck? So guys like Ty Gibson and Dexter Whittle and Eric Jamison and whoever really you've got out there, they, their, their identity is going to be playing smart. You know, They're going to want to be hard, hard in the corners on guys bearing down on them, but then they're just going to want to quickly get it out of the zone and get it up ice. You know, So much of the Silvertips offense is is run and gun, right? They want to be able to get in, get a good look, get the puck up ice, constantly be in motion. Uh, so I think that that's really kind of their identity, is simplicity to their game and, and intelligence. Uh, and if they can get a, a six-man unit, seven-man unit, depending on who's cycling in there, you know, you've got Cameron Seitzma, who's a young player who learned a lot. Ethan Makokas is an exciting 07 birth year who could potentially see some time. Uh, I think that you have a lot of guys that are kind of trying to learn the system first and everything else will follow. Casey, I know in years past, we look at the Everett Silver Tips uh, with the offensive group and there's kind of a question mark, all right, who's the guy who's going to lead the way offensively? And there always is somebody that kind of rises to the occasion and might exceed expectations. When you look at this forward group now, after, you know, Berezowski leaves and some of the other players that were there, who is that de facto, this is the guy who's going to lead the way offensively now for Everett? You know, it's, it's funny you say that because every year that I've been here, this will be season three for me here in Everett, and every year it's kind of been the same question of, oh, right. man, who's, who's going to be the goal scorer here in Everett? And they always find a way. Yeah. You know, whether, it's, whether it predates me with Gage Consalva, someone like him jumping from two goals in a season to 33 or – you know, who who would have predicted that Jackson Berezowski would grow into a two-time 40-goal scorer? You know, it's I don't know if you would have had that on paper. You know, it's I think it's it's kind of the collective uh, for the Silvertips. They want to be a deeper team this year because if you watch them last year in the playoffs, they really rode that top line and, and a little bit of the second line. But that top line of Roost, Berezowski, and Pelletier, really just got run into the ground by the end, by, by virtue of there being a lot of injuries and, and uh, you know, wanting to rely on that veteran experience. So if you're looking at a leader, I would point to Austin Roost. Uh, Austin Roost is someone who was drafted by the Nashville Predators in the sixth round this past summer, uh, is a total gym rat. 
Uh, and I mean that in the best way. He has trained so hard because he's not the biggest player in terms of stature. He stands about five foot ten, but he has trained so rigorously to get stronger, to get faster, to get as quick as quick hands as he can, and it's rewarded. He jumped from having fourteen goals in twenty one twenty two up to over thirty uh, last season, and if not for missing the last weekend of the regular season. Uh, resting up for the playoffs, you know, he very well could have led the team in scoring, eclipsed the 80-point marker. He's someone that could, you know, hey, depending on what kind of year he has, 80 points, 90 points, you know, the, the sky's the limit for Austin. You've also got a complimentary piece in Ben Hemmerling on the wing, who's a Vegas Golden Knights prospect. Uh, ben Hemmerling provides great speed, really creative player. Uh, he's someone that can really wield the puck well in the offensive zone. Uh, so him and Roos generally gel very well together. You've got some complimentary pieces like Cade Zaplitney, who's a big body. I think they're going to rely on him quite a bit uh, to to be that net front guy to replace Berezowski. And one last piece to kind of uh, kind of plant the seed for you, Gee. Caden Brown is someone who has really gotten a lot of attention uh, since acquired from the Prince George Cougars. Uh, the Silvertips just traded for him. They sent a couple of draft picks and Orange Strom up to Prince George to get him. He's an 05 birth year. Uh, had 18 goals last year as a 17-year-old. So the talent is there. Uh, he's got a really great shot to him, a good skating stride. He's exciting. I think he's someone that if put in the right spots and if he commits himself to the program, he could be a 30-goal scorer. You know, I, I think he's another guy where the, the potential – is certainly there. There's a lot of upside to this forward core. I don't know how much you know about incoming import forward uh, Julius uh, Miettinen yet, but uh, the last time that the Everett Silvertips had a uh, a finish forward, uh, Nico Hootenen uh, certainly lit the league on fire. What are expectations for the new guy? <laughs> well, I don't know if he'll be uh, the kind of 40-goal scorer that Nico was. I mean, I tell you what, Nico had the most electrifying one-timer I've ever seen. Uh, you know, he's, he's someone that Tampa is going to love in a couple of years. But uh, Julius Mietten, and the book on him is that he's a really big, strong player uh, who likes to use his frame in both sides of the ice. Think kind of like a, like a Kopitar kind of player, uh, where he's able to contribute both offensively and defensively, albeit from the wing mostly. Uh, so I think he provides some much-needed punch around the net and behind the net because the tips are not a big club uh that's no secret there were a limited number of guys who were over six foot on the team last season so there's a bit heading into the import draft i know that there was a bit of a focus on trying to get someone who's going to be bigger uh and mietinen was there and mietinen has been a top target for this club since december you know uh, in speaking with european scout alessandro Benin. Uh, he's someone, Mietnin was at the top of his list really for months prior to the draft. So they love this kid. Uh, and I think he's going to provide a, quite a bit of, of energy, a bit of bulk, uh, a bit of meanness in the corners uh, that will come in handy on both ends. Is he the only import with the team right now? He is uh, one of two. Dominic Raymond will be back. Uh, Dominic Raymond missed most of last season uh, with injury, uh, which is a shame because I think that he's a really creative player. Uh, who would have changed, I think, I think he would have transformed the look of the offense if he were healthy uh, for last season. So this year, uh, coming back as an 05, uh, I think he's got a great opportunity to kind of put all that behind him, to readjust uh, and, and really reestablish himself as a force because he was a really good playmaker. 
a kind of backstrom type who who had a really great vision uh, of the ice and, and always knew where to send the puck into the soft uh, areas of the ice. Uh, he's someone who I'm very curious, you know, how will he look coming in? He's been doing a lot of training with the Czech national team this summer uh, in preparation for the World Junior Championships. So Raymond's another guy where he's going to be a really interesting X factor. I'm interested to know from your perspective with camps opening up here in the next 10 days or so, maybe a little less, What's the biggest question mark in your mind going into camp? What's What are you most curious to see unfold uh, over the, the next two or three weeks? I think the biggest thing is going to be who comes in having really transformed themselves over the summer. Like, I, I've been talking to you a lot here in this conversation, Guy, about, like, potential, right? You know, it, this could be, this might be, this right. could be. Uh, there's a lot of players where a lot of things could be, but it's up to the player uh, when they're when they're home over the summer to commit themselves to to being better. You know, when when things got uh, really hairy down the stretch with a, a litany of injuries of guys going down, and 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 uh, unfortunately, like the tips were very short-handed come playoff time. You're kind of in that next man up mentality, and you see very quickly who's going to sink and who's going to swim. Uh, and I think that there's a few guys where like. If, if they take that next step, the Tips could be one of the better teams in the Western Conference. You know, The hope is that Cade Zaplitny blossoms from a 12-goal a scorer to a 20-25-goal scorer. You, know? you hope that Dominic Raymond is able to stay healthy and become a 50-point guy, a 60-point guy. You, know, you, you don't want to necessarily put a, a specific number. I'm, I'm putting a number on it because I'm not their coach. You know? I'm not... I'm right. not trying to, 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 you know, I'm not drawing up the X's and O's, but I'm sure there's a lot of players in the locker room right now where if they're able to take that next step, it could be something special. Uh, Julian Mays, I think, is maybe one of the best examples of that. Julian Mays was an 07 birth year last year, so he got to play in a handful of regular season games, and then he appeared in five postseason games. And the kid's confidence is through the roof. Unbelievably skilled guy. Was taken 20th overall. Uh, in the WHL draft a couple of years ago, but thin as a rail, you know, really smoke it because he was, he was the youngest player on the team, the youngest player in tips history. He had four games under his belt before he even turned 15. Wow. Uh, really, really, but unreal hands. Some of the best I've seen. So how, how is his summer gone? You know, is he going to come in? Is he going to be able to earn a roster spot right away? Does he start at U 18s? Uh, you know, where, where is he going to land? And if he does make the club, how confident is he going to be heading into a full Western Hockey League season? Jesse Heslop is another guy who could get some draft uh, uh, buzz if he has a good season. So there's a lot of could-bes, you know, Guy. There, there's a, a really great upside, a high ceiling for this club. Julian Mays, uh, just looking at his roster page uh, on the WHL, the New Look WHL website, first-round pick. From Edmonton, twentieth overall, five eight and one hundred and thirty five pounds, and I'm guessing that was last year. So yeah, that's really interesting at this age to see what the guys are like a year later, because he could be five ten and one hundred and fifty, could be one hundred and seventy pounds. We don't know. Yeah, <laughs> the growth spurts when they when they're around this age are crazy, aren't they? And yeah, he's someone that you know. He and I were were sitting and chatting in my office before uh, players all left to to go back home and. He was rattling off all the things that he wants to do in the offseason. He wants to get bigger. He wants to get better. You know, he's, I want to focus on my hands. I want to get my forearms to, to look like this. I want to work on this drill. Like this kid, like he bounces off the wall because of his love of the sport and because of his uh, desire to get better. So he's going to be someone who I think will be a fiend for the silver tips 
for how hard he works to get better and to be an elite player. Well, this is a club that uh, got into the playoffs last year. Correct me if I'm wrong. Sixth seed going into the uh, postseason, I think, uh, out after the first mm-hmm. round against Portland. This year, uh, an extra team in the conference, so it gets a little harder to make the playoffs. Uh, what are the reasonable expectations for the Everett Silvertips? Is this a, a playoff team once again, in your opinion? Uh, playoffs is always the goal, you know, and, and I think Austin Roos said it best, you know, when we were chatting with him, uh, and I, with uh, uh, Chris Wall was chatting with him the other day. Uh, he said that every year you have to come to camp with a championship mindset. And, and if you don't think that way, you know, he says, I don't know what, what to think. Hmm. Uh, so I, I think that the expectation for sure is not just playoffs, but a deep run. There's a sense of dissatisfaction from the guys who have been here for a couple of years because they know that they've underperformed, I think, uh, in the postseason. I don't think it's a secret. Uh, you know, the club got bounced in the first round as a as a one seed two years ago and yeah you can point to injuries you can point to who's not on the ice mm-hmm. at the end of the day they, they didn't make it deep last year same kind of thing if everyone's healthy different story i think they they could certainly challenge the portlands and the kamloopses uh in that conference to try and make a run and you can you can shrug your shoulders all you want as to as to you know who's there who's not there end of the day they didn't make it through so I think that there's a sense of dissatisfaction that's left a chip on this group's shoulder. So I think a realistic expectation is they're going to be hunting for home ice advantage. Uh, they're going to be trying to threaten the the Seattles, the the Portlands, and and now the Wenatchees who are inheriting a pretty nice roster of their own. I think they're going to be wanting wanting to compete with the best of the best, uh, and I don't think they're going to be settling for much less. Before I let you go, just your thoughts on Wenatchee joining and having another team in the U.S. division, another. Uh, another stop, but a, a lot closer to home for uh, for Everett and for the other teams uh, in the United States uh, portion of the Western Hockey League. What's it mean for for you guys as a team and for your fans? And I, I just from the outside looking in, I, I have to think they're all positives. Yeah, it's exciting. You know, I, I tell you what, I, I've spoken with some of the uh, staff members there in Wenatchee, including their their broadcaster Austin Drought. And I tell you, it's a great group that they've got there. They, they know how a hockey team should run. They've all been in the game for a while. You, know, you get to in, keep your, your BCHL you know, sales staff and, and stuff and, and retain whoever you want to retain uh, from the managerial side of things. So they all know the game, and they know the market. Uh, so it'll be really exciting to see what they're able to do uh, off the ice in terms of sales and promotions and stuff. That's, that's the business side of me because, honestly, the on-ice product, I think, is going to take care of itself. Uh, they're going to have some really exciting players. If Savoy gets returned, you know, Zach Benson is going to be a really exciting player. Uh, Graham Sward is going to be a, an exciting player for them. You know, the team is going to be fine. The team, the team, heck, they were just in the in the league final. They're yeah. going to be okay. Uh, it's, it's you know, how is the market going to embrace the new league and, and what are they going to do to to get bums and seats? And uh, I'm excited for because, to be honest, I know that there's a lot of Everett fans that are psyched to have another relatively local club to go visit. Uh, so I, I can't wait to uh, to go visit them for the first time. That's going to be awesome. That's going to be exciting for sure. And I know this is a rare one because Edmonton and Everett play basically a home-at-home home this year. First time I can re- recall ever, and I'm guessing it's because when Atchie gets into the league uh, and it kind of throws a bit of a wrench into the scheduling, but Everett's going to be up here. And Edmonton, I think, New Year's Day, I believe, is uh, in Everett. 
That's correct. I had to I had to triple check the schedule. I'm like, is, is that right? Or are we really doing that? Yeah. Like, that is that is exciting. So uh, getting uh, multiple cracks at Edmonton that's that's going to be fun. Yeah. Well, Casey, listen, I really appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy training camp, and we'll see you when you roll through Edmonton this year. Gee, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. There's Casey Bryant, the play-by-play voice of the Everett Silver Tips. So one of the teams that you can really count on to be in the mix. You, you can never expect them to miss the playoffs. In fact, you probably it's the reverse. It doesn't matter what the roster looks like. They always seem to find a way to get into the postseason. It's quite impressive. And I think Dennis Williams has done a great job with that club as the head coach. And in the past, whenever it's looked like, uh, well, maybe this is the year they're going to miss the playoffs. I've always been wrong, so... I'm not going to say that they're going to miss the playoffs this year. How about that? And I apologize in advance if I just put the reverse curse on uh, the Everett Silvertips. Got a couple more teams to look at in this week's episode. Spokane is coming up for you uh, U.S. Division fans. But that's the last segment this week. Up next, it's the Prince George Cougars. Cole Waldy calls the shots for Prince George. And he joins me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline next. You're listening to The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Back to the blue line, Wilm in the middle, broken up by Zemer. Look out, Cohen Zemer, breakaway to hide to Zemer. Hat-trick! Cohen Zemer, 3-1! This is Cohen Zemer with Prince George Cougars, and this is The Pipeline Show. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The store next door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. He fights like an old lady. All right, we are back on the Pipeline Show with Keith Fleming, continuing our team-by-team previews for the upcoming WHL season, and our next stop is going to be in Prince George. But a reminder, Wilhock Beef Jerky is Alberta's best beef jerky, and you can get it throughout Western Canada by going to their website. That's wilhockbeefjerky.com. Any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada, they will ship it to you at wilhockbeefjerky.com. All right, as I mentioned, we're going up to Prince George, and that means Cole Waldy, the play-by-play voice of the Cougars, is my guest. Uh, Cole, welcome back to the program. How are you? Hey, thanks, Guy. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, thanks for, for having me back. Uh, always a pleasure, and uh, things are going good. Can't wait for the season to get going right around the corner here, and uh, starting to feel like hockey season now. The ice back in, summer hockey school with the kids going on so it's it's very exciting now for the listeners benefit we're this show will come out on friday but it's uh, earlier in the week it's only tuesday so camp opens up in what about 10 days or so yeah yeah eight days so uh next wednesday it'll get going on the 28th 
and then uh, it'll run till September 3rd. So, yeah, right around the corner here. The, the players will obviously get here in about a week's time. So, yeah, come around the corner and excited to see everyone, obviously, from last year and, you know, the new kids coming in, the prospects, what have you. So, yeah, this is one of the more exciting times of the year, busy time of year, yeah. and, again, can't wait to get it started. All right, well, we'll look ahead to this coming season and the roster in a second, but uh, let's start with uh, behind the benches. A bit of a coaching addition here as uh, the team has brought in a veteran assistant coach and Jim Playfair. What does that do for this team to have another veteran voice to go along with Mark Lamb? Oh man, it's uh I think the experience is so invaluable. Um to have a guy like Jimmy that's, you know, fifteen years in the NHL. He's he's coached the best players in the world. You know, when you look at his time in Edmonton with um specifically on the back end when you look at like the Darnell nurses of the world, uh, Evan Bouchard, like he he's had so many good players, not just that, but you know, you just look at his resume in the past with, you know, the Arizona Coyotes and the Calgary Flames organization. So obviously, I think that is speaks volumes. And he was a, in a part-time role with the team last year. So he's hmm. fairly familiar with how everything is kind of run around here. So th- that part's obviously really good. And, you know, he replaces Josh Dixon, who got offered a really cool opportunity um, in Guelph, at the University of Guelph. Um, I think it is a perfect fit for him and, and his family. So, that opened the door for, for Jimmy, and uh, yeah, he's obviously a great human being first and foremost. He's been so fun to, to chat with around the room, but I just think, you know, with the returning defensemen that are coming in, to listen to a guy like that and learn from a guy like that, I think it's going to really do wonders uh, for the Cougars, uh, you know, up and down their lineup. So um, can't say enough good things about him. Tons of NHL experience. Um, as a coach, he, he's won in junior also. He won a Memorial Cup with Portland in the 80s, so um, it's, it's quite the resume, and uh, it's pretty cool to have him behind the bench, that's for sure, here in PG. And you mentioned that he had a part-time role with the team last year, so it's not like he's a stranger for these players either. They already know him, and so the, I, I would have to think that's a, a nice transition for these guys. They'll be, it might be a new guy behind the bench, but certainly not a new face for them. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's still fairly familiar. Um, you know, when, when he talks to the guys and stuff, everyone knows him on a personal basis. So I think that's a, that was a big part of, you know, him coming now behind the bench. I know last year he wasn't behind the bench. And I think he was itching to, to get back behind one. So, um, it's nice that it's, that it's here in Prince George. He's a Northern guy too, which I, I think is pretty cool. Um, you know, being uh, from Fort St. James and now coming up the road here to, to Prince George is, it's just really cool, and it's nice that he's got some familiarity with the whole roster. Um, so, yeah, very cool. All right, well, let's look at this uh, this roster that we have uh, in Prince George for this coming season. Maybe first we have to reflect on who's not back from the team that we saw finish a fourth in the conference last year and, and go into the playoffs. Uh, not returning three forwards, and they're all pretty impactful. Cole Dubinsky, Chase Wheatcroft, and Jackson Weeb, the latter two, uh, both with uh, connection to NHL teams. Also not expected, I don't think, to be back would be Ethan Sampson, signed by Philly. He's a 20-year-old now. And Tyler Brennan, who's also signed uh, with the New Jersey Devils, uh, could be both of those guys could be in the American Hockey League. Or NHL teams do have the option to send them back. What's the feeling right now in Prince George for those two guys? Yeah, it's. I think it's still up in the air. I think you want to see what the, the team has first and foremost with you know camp coming around the corner. But again, those are two guys that, uh, in my opinion, wouldn't be surprised if they stuck in the AHL. They're uh, two heavily impactful guys on the roster. I think we saw that last year. 
Um, Ethan Sampson played a, a boatload of minutes for this team, the captain of the team. Um, I think everyone knows what he possesses uh, offensively and obviously most importantly defensively. So um, he's a, a terrific leader. He signed his entry-level contract last year also. So um, if I'm a guessing guy, I would think he would seal start in the AHL, and then we'll see what happens after that. Mm-hmm. And then the same with Tyler Brennan. What a second half he had last year. I think he only lost two or three games in regulation, if, uh, if I'm right there. But, um, yeah, just he was so good last year. In the playoffs also, it was too bad that he, he got hurt in that first round. But, um, yeah, such a, such a big part of that second half and that playoff run. And I think New Jersey is excited to have a guy like that. And, again, Brennan signing his three-year entry-level deal during the playoffs last year. So um, they're going to start there, if I think, and then we'll see what happens. It's a lot of uncertainty, right? You know, you look at the, the roster and a lot of things can happen. And again, you want to see what, what, what the team's got early on. So I guess kind of up in the air and we'll see what happens. Well, those are five big pieces and not with the team this year. I think uh, you also made a, well, not you personally, but the team made a trade, uh, with uh, the Everett Silvertips and, uh, Caden Brown uh, from last year's team, uh, not back, uh, this season either. But let's start in net and, uh, with, uh, with Tyler Brennan gone, who are the goaltenders that will be coming to camp? And I imagine Ty Young has probably got that starter's job uh, almost locked in. Yeah, yeah, I think he does also. Um, you know, Ty Young was obviously really good all year last year as well. Uh, the goaltending is such an important part uh, of the Cougars, you know, identity. Um, you, you look in the past with uh, Taylor Goche signing an NHL deal. And then Tyler Brennan, as we just mentioned, now Ty Young, a Vancouver Connects draft pick that I believe is going to go right back to their main camp. So we'll see if he starts, uh, if he'll be here for the home opener. Uh, I doubt it. I think he'll still be at the main camp with Vancouver. But, yeah, I think he's going to be your number one guy, I think. Um, he, he's been so good um, as a, as in his tenure as a Prince George Cougar mm-hmm. and now a 19-year-old coming into it. I think it's going to be a big year for him um, for the PG Cougars. And So, yeah, I think I think you're right, Guy. I think he will be the, the number one guy. And then you look at, you know, kind of through the, the goalie pool, you have Madden Malaka, um, who played a couple of games for the Cougars last year. He actually was a starter for the first two games of the regular season, winning the first game against Tri-City. Had a shutout back in the preseason also. So uh, he's no real stranger to the, the Cougars organization by any means. So I think he'll have a chance to, to be maybe in that backup role. And then there's some other goalies that will obviously be coming to camp. Um, Brady Holzbolt, he just he signed with the Cougars last year. He might be on the bubble to make the team. So I think there's still some decisions that got to be made, but I think those are kind of the three that I look at. Josh Ravensbergen's a, a fourth goalie that was drafted also. Um, he had a good year last year uh, in midget. So I think it's going to be Ty Young and then maybe a, a bit of a, a race to see who gets that backup spot. But looking you know, ahead, I think it's going to be Ty Young's net, and hopefully he can run with it uh, for the entirety of the season especially if Tyler Brennan doesn't come back. Well, and quite honestly, even if the backup is sort of uh, unproven, the track record of the Cougars the last four or five years at that position should give the the fan base a lot of confidence that uh, this team seems to know what they're doing with goaltenders, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of credit has got to go to Taylor Dakers, the, the goalie coach for, yeah. for this team. He's been here uh, for, for a long time and has done such a good job with you know pretty much every goalie that, that that's come through here. So... Um, yeah, it's exciting. And I know, you know, talking to the fans, how much they love Ty Young. They think he's the MVP. They, they love how he plays. And he was so good in the playoffs last year when Tyler Brennan went down. I don't know if that, uh, 
guess, appreciated enough how good he was. Um, you look at games, you know, four, five, and six when they played Tri-City. He was a rock star, arguably the first star every single night. So, big game guy. And, uh, yeah, and as you mentioned, just over the past couple of years, the, the goaltending has been really good, a huge factor to the Cougar success over the last couple of years, especially last year. And hopefully that transfers here into 2023-2024. Let's go to the blue line, uh, Cole. Uh, Cole Waldy, the voice of the Cougars, my guest. Uh, with uh, Samson gone, who sort of takes over that role as being the uh, the leader on the back end? Yeah, it's going to be Hudson Thornton, 20-year-old, uh, coming into a, a big year for him. Um, I know you didn't hear his name at the NHL draft the last two years, but uh, now a free agent in, in his 20-year-old year. We'll see if he's able to have another really good year. Uh, you know, he set the record, single-season record last year for points and goals by a Cougars defenseman. He is just so rock-solid. Again, another player that the fans love uh, in Prince George. He's done so many good things on the ice, off the ice, and I think he'll be kind of the quarterback of the Cougars' decor. Um, so, I, yeah, to, to replace Downs not easy, but um, his D partner in Hudson Thornton, I think, will do a, a terrific job, great leader also. Um, so if you're thinking of a quarterback top guy, I think it's going to be number 12, Hudson Thornton for Prince George. With that production that he had, you, you said it's franchise record setting, and he's it's not like he's 5'7", he's 5'11", 180-ish pounds, so he's not that undersized. Sure, he's not 6'3", and 210, but why do you think he didn't get drafted? I don't know. It's such a good question. You know, Obviously, I'm not a scout, but you know, when, you, when you look at the players that got drafted, there were some 19-year-olds that were, that were getting selected. It kind of gave you a glimmer of hope in those later rounds. Um, if, if he would hear his name, but, um, on the same token, I'm not sure. It, it's a really good question. I think there's a lot of people in, in our business office, the, the little front office that we have, we always ask ourselves that question. Why is he getting drafted? But, um, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to kind of read what scouts think. And as you said, he's not really undersized. He's a mobile offensive defenseman that actually plays his position very well also on the back end. So, uh, not entirely sure. It's a, it's a good question, but, I won't be surprised if there's a team that's interested in him, you know, throughout the season. I think he's got a lot of interest. He got the opportunity to actually go to the Seattle Kraken development camp earlier this summer. So I think that was a good experience for him. He was at Edmonton last year. So it's not like he's not getting attention. He is getting it, but just uh, didn't hear his name this past summer. But I think that'll only fuel his fire here coming into this year. Yeah, exactly. A pretty motivated Hudson Thornton playing for a contract at the end of uh, this season as his eligibility runs out. So that uh, little extra motivation, not a bad thing. He'll he'll benefit, and so will the Cougars uh, from that. Tell me about the rest of the blue line uh, that you see coming into camp. Yeah, lots of lots of returning faces. You know, you look at uh, Bauer, Demansky, Ephraim, McNutt, Keaton, Dalhany, Billion, Kamets. Like pretty much the whole decourse back from last year, wow. which I think is really good. Um, it's nice to have a lot of returning faces. Um, I think William Kamath is a very underappreciated defenseman. I love how he plays. Got a chance to play at the World Juniors for the second straight year with Team Slovakia. Uh, really good experience. I know, I think back to that World Junior quarterfinal where they played Canada, where Connor Bedard scored that highlight real goal in overtime. Kamath is playing massive minutes uh, in those big games. So, and you could see it, uh, how good his second half of the year was also. So I think that's a, a big name coming back. And then, as I, I said earlier, with Dumanski, McNutt, and Dalhania coming back, um, they, they were really good also as the year progressed. And now that they get another year under their belt of, uh, you know, just learning in the league and experience is obviously a huge thing. 
and playing under a guy like Jim Playfair, who I think will be running and helping with the defense score. Um, it's exciting. A lot of, lot of experience, well coached, and uh, that's pretty much, I think, what the Cougars are looking like on the back end. You look at some of their draft picks, also Tyson Butzkowski, who had a really good year last year. He played about 12 or 13 games, went back down to his minute team in Saskatoon, got a chance to play at the Talos Cup and uh, did a lot of really good things. So I think he'll come in as a 17-year-old. Who knows, maybe he has a good year, and you can hear his name of the NHL draft. It's just a lot of good things on the back end. You know, I mentioned the experience, but they're also still fairly young, I think, which is exciting um, for the future and for the present of the Cougars on, on, the, on the back end. So really good things, I think, on, on the blue line, that's for sure. player named uh, Leith Hunter, who was listed at 6'6", six, six yeah. 173 pounds, and he's a 2007-born player. I don't know what they're uh, what they've got in the water there for him, or what they're feeding him as a kid. But that is a monster on the back end already, and he's so young. Do you expect he's going to be a, a a full-time player, or at least with the team? Yeah, for sure. I forgot to mention his name. Also, Leith Hunter. He uh, you know joined the team uh, kind of that black ace uh, in the playoffs. He yeah. did a uh, you know playing in the the major midget ranks last year. But yeah, he's a he is a big human being. Uh, no no question about it. Six six. Almost think he's taller sometimes. But <laughs> uh, no, he's uh, he's good. Also, I think there's um, some a good chance again to work with a guy like Jim Playfair and Mark Lamb, a guy that's still trying to develop and maybe play into his body a little bit more. Like it's a a tall kid for a young age, so I think he's still working into his body. But it's a kid that's also making steps and definitely has has a chance to, to make a roster, no question. All right, Cole, let's go to the forward group. And we mentioned uh, all three uh, overage players from last season were forwards, and they're all gone. Uh, that's a big blow for the depth of the team, but with uh, a lot of talent still there, including guys like Riley Height and Cohen Zemer, who were drafted uh, in this past NHL draft. Uh, maybe touch on those guys first, and I wonder if there's a little motivation for them as well because they're second, late second and, and a third-round pick for Height and Zemer, and I think maybe there was some talk about them being drafted earlier than that, so they might have some extra motivation as well. Yep, for sure. Um, I agree with you. I, I definitely thought uh, they they might have gotten drafted a little higher, but uh, as long as you hear your name, I think, at the NHL draft, bottom line, like you're happy and you know the team you go to, and I think it actually worked out really good for both Riley and Cohen. I think they both went to two teams that really fit their playing styles, you know, with I know Minnesota went all centers at the NHL draft and Riley Height. They got him at 64. I remember reading a tweet that Bill Guerin and the director of scouting for Minnesota were jumping in circles when they were able to get him at 64. And then you look at Cohen Zemer. I knew LA had, I heard that LA had a lot of interest in him and the fact that he went there, uh, really good. But on the same token, yeah, I think there might be a little bit of a sour taste. Maybe they hoped they were going to get drafted higher, but two great years for them last year. My goodness, Riley Height with 97 points. Zemer scoring 40, you know, those are your, obviously your, your two-headed monster up front for the Cougars. There's no real denying that. And, you know, they obviously had Chase Wheatcroft on their wing last year. Mm-hmm. But Zach Funk, you know, he got some some reps with them last year. So, you know, if you're looking at a depth chart right now, I think that's your top line. And I think you're looking at maybe pound for pound one of the top lines in the league with Zemer, Height, and Funk. I think Zach Funk is going to be a major contributor to the Cougars' offense nearly scoring, I believe, 30 goals last year. So that that's nice to, to look at that as your projected maybe top line when everyone's back. Um, and then you look at, you know, you mentioned the three 20-year-olds that are out that kind of maybe diminishes the depth when you look at the production side of things. But Andre Becker, I thought, had a good year last year for his first year in the league. 
as a as a Euro player. I thought he did a lot of good things. I think there's a lot of good room for him to grow. If you look at the trade that you mentioned earlier with Owen Strom uh, getting traded from Everett, a player that, you know, you look at his track record, you know, he's a rookie of the year in the bubble with Medicine Hat. Then he got into some injury trouble, got traded to Everett, now traded to Prince George. So I wonder if with more opportunity for him, I'm curious to see how his year goes. It's kind of similar to a thing with Chase Wheatcroft where kind of the same thing, maybe throwing that bottom six role, never really got an opportunity. And then when Chase came here, obviously he flourished. I think everyone knows that, but hopefully uh, Orn can do something like that or have some sort of big year with some more opportunity. So those are some guys that I look at, some more returning guys. And, you know, Carlin Dezane, who is a big physical player, did a lot of really good things. Uh, Caden Glover provided a little bit of a spark. You look at Tarek Parasak, he's another young prospect up and coming that tore up uh, his midget years with uh, edge prep there in the CSSHL. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's a, obviously a bit of a different-looking crew up front, but you got Height and Zemer and Funk and some more returning guys, and it's early in the year. Maybe some moves get made uh, throughout the year, but I think starting out, it, it, it's definitely interesting. You want to see what you got at camp, so... I'm pretty interested to see how it looks up front, up for sure. I'm curious, as camp is about to open, what's the biggest question mark in your mind uh, when you look at this roster? Is there a, a story that you're looking to see how it gets answered over the next two or three weeks? Uh, it's a good question. You know, it, it, it's it's easy to look on paper, and then and if you look on the ice, then you can maybe have more clarity. I like what they got in that. I like the returning D. Um, I like the Ford. I, I'm curious on how special teams is going to look, right? right? Because the power play was so good last year and how often they connected. They obviously have three big pieces back from that power play with Zemer, Height, and Thornton. They were obviously huge contributors to the man of so they might be okay there. But I'm curious to see who they'll put else in that top unit. You got Zach Funk also, who's very good on the power play. Yeah, it's hard on paper. Maybe, you know, you mentioned the depth side of things. Maybe depth's uh, a bit of a question mark. But, uh, you know, who knows? I, I think it's a very uh, interesting situation that the Cougars are going into. It's, it's a window, in my opinion, where they want to win. And, you know, it's time to, to start winning. I think we got a bit of a taste of that last year with the first-round win against Tri-City, and I really think they want to build off that and do some more damage. So um, if they're able to strengthen the roster throughout the year um, to make a big move, I, I think they'll do it wherever it is, whether it's up front or on the back end. But uh, it, it's definitely, I'm, I'm curious, I want to see how it goes in the first couple of games. It'll give you kind of more of a glimpse on maybe things that, that could get added or not. So it's interesting. It's, it's a very interesting situation coming into camp. But um, I, I guess I would say depth if, I, if I'm a okay. guessing man looking on paper. Well, we always end these previews with what realistic expectations should be for fans uh, coming into this season. Now, the team finished second in the BC division, fourth in the conference last year. Considering the losses, yet the the growth and the uh, just how many guys are returning, what are the expectations for this team? Do you think they can hold on to at least that second spot in the BC division, or will they be pushed from somebody that was that finished below them last year? Do you think they can challenge for top spot? Yeah, I think the goal is to win it. To be honest, Guy, I, I I really do. I think this team brings back a a lot of veterans. You know, obviously there's some very good teams in the BC division. You look at Kamloops and. I, I think it kind of gets overlooked that they still bring back some, some decent players from their team last year. But um, I, I really do think uh, the Cougars are 
capable, very well capable to, to win the BC division with, you know, the, again, players that they bring back. And, you know, the, you know, there's only one banner right now in the CN Center. They want to bring a second one and win, and win the BC division banner, I think. So I, I don't see no reason why they can't win it. I think they, they got the pieces and um, it, it should be interesting. I, but I, I do think that's a team that can win the division and be a, a top team in the Western Conference and hopefully do something special, you know, come April and May. But um, obviously still far away. You want to see what you got. But uh, I think the goals and the standards are pretty high right now in Prince George. Fantastic. Cole, listen, I really appreciate your time like this. Uh, looking forward to the season and training camp, and I, I, I'm sure you are as well. Uh, enjoy things, and uh, we'll see you when you roll through Edmonton with the Cougars. Thanks, Guy. Really appreciate uh, coming on here. All the best. Prince George Cougars coming off a pretty decent season last year, and I think they kind of underachieved in the playoffs. I thought they were going to be a real challenge in the postseason. Just didn't, it kind of fizzled out that way. And it was Seattle and Kamloops were uh, such juggernauts that uh, I think they were bound to collide with each other in the conference final anyway. But uh, Prince George, that's that's interesting. Cole figures that they could actually challenge for the uh, for the conference title or the, at least the division title this year. We haven't gone through all of the teams in the BC division, so I'm not quite there yet. But they've got the goaltending. He sold me on the team defense, bringing everybody back like that, or just about everybody. Question mark with Ethan Sampson. As a Philly guy, I think he's probably playing in the American Hockey League this year, but we've seen teams sending guys back. Heck, the Old Kings weren't expecting Luke Prokop back last year from Nashville, but he came back. They ended up trading him, obviously, for where they were in their cycle. That made sense, but Prince George isn't this year where Edmonton was last year. If they got a guy like Samson back unexpectedly, that would be a massive addition for them in what would be a contending season. So that's pretty interesting. We'll have to really see how things shake out through camp into the uh, regular season and then uh, when the decisions are made on guys like Samson and Tyler Brennan. Right now, I don't expect either one, but who knows? Ty Young should be the uh, bona fide number one guy there and because they have an unproven or an untested Number two guy, I guess that's a bit of a concern because what happens if your number one guy goes down to injury? So that would be, depending on if it happened and when it happened in the schedule, you know, if it's before the deadline, obviously they can go out and adjust by making a trade. But the Cougars could be a team to keep an eye on. we got another team to get our eyes on, and that is going to be the Spokane Chiefs. Mike Boyle is going to join me via the Troubled Monk hotline. They've got a young star who probably will be the first player taken in the NHL draft from the Western Hockey League. That would be Berkeley Catton. But what else do the Chiefs bring to the table? We'll let Mike Boyle tell us about it next, here on the Pipeline Show. It's brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Comes back out to Yamamoto at the point. Goes over to Ellenick right circle. Now Smith at the point. Yamamoto left side shoots and scores! Hi, this is Kyle Yamamoto for the Spokane Chiefs, and you are listening to the Pipeline Show. Sarah 
from Buford loves Wilhawk beef jerky. My husband is an expressive <gasps> fan, prone to waving his arms about, which is unfortunate for those next to him. And the snacks. Do you know how hard it is to get salsa out of carpet? It was a miracle when I found Wilhawk beef jerky. No more crushed chips strewn about or toppled dips. A fistful of jerky can be waved about with little mess to clean up later. Thanks, Wilhawk. Wilhawk beef jerky. It's the best. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. What are we waiting for? Take this! This is the final segment of this week's episode of The Pipeline Show as we continue looking ahead to the coming WHL season and uh, getting to know the rosters as camps are about to open. Now, it's a bit tricky. We already I had a conversation with Troy Gillard of the Rebels earlier this week, and then today they made a big trade. Uh, with a goaltender. So that's the risk of doing this in the, uh, uh before camps open. Uh, but that's the way things go. And, uh, today we are uh, chatting with the voice of the Spokane Chiefs. That is, uh, Mr. Mike Boyle. Uh, Mike, welcome back to the show. How are you? Always a pleasure to talk with you. How are things in Edmonton? Not bad at all. Getting ready for, uh, camps opening up, uh, at the end of next week. Uh, and I imagine it's about the same time for Spokane? Correct. We'll uh, we'll have our first day of camp on uh, Thursday and then our red-white game on Sunday, and then we're off and running. Well, like the Oil Kings, the Chiefs have had a long offseason, not making the playoffs. Uh, so it's uh, it's been a while since we saw the team on the ice, and I know uh, no changes behind the bench or upstairs this year for the Chiefs. And I think that going from – it's been a, a few years where there's been some changes in Spokane. So a little continuity, probably a good thing. No question. I, I think when you've had a club that, that struggled as much as this young team did last year, and uh, you speak from Edmonton's perspective, you know exactly where I'm coming from here. It, it's, it's good to have some continuity and uh, some, some seamless transition going to the next year when you're trying to build something. And I think that's the, the biggest thing for me is that, you know, you've still got Ryan Smith behind the bench. You've still got the same assistants. You've got the same voices in the players' ears telling them, of what they're expecting for the next year. I, I think that's very important going forward for this young club. Well, we'll look at the roster, and uh, unfortunately with the uh, the new-look WHL website, not the rosters aren't updated <laughs> yet. Um, so the closest <laughs> I can get to an updated roster for the Chiefs is the end of the regular season, and, and I know there's probably been a number of changes since then. So I can tell you the 20-year-olds from last year's team that aren't going to be back, and, and I'm not even 100% sure if they finished the year with Spokane, but... Uh, Cade Hayes, uh, the forward, and a couple of defensemen in Matt Gross and uh, Regan Wiles. Uh, anybody else from last year's team that uh, that aren't back? Well, there, there's been a number of moves since then. Uh, some trades in the offseason that have occurred. Uh, Grady Lane, who was voted as the player's player by the, the guys in the locker room, uh, was traded to Victoria. Hmm. And uh, so he'll be in Victoria for his 20-year-old season. Cooper Gazowski. Uh, 18-year-old forward who got off to a great start last year and then kind of leveled off. He's been traded to Lethbridge, so uh, he has made his way uh, to the east. And then, uh, you know, Michael Chichek, uh, another player that, uh, boy, showed some great promise in his time in Spokane but just could not stay healthy. He ended up being traded in the offseason. So uh, a number of guys. uh, The biggest one for me, though – Lucas Sherbina, a youngster that was a second-round pick, uh, had some time in Spokane last year, ended up being traded as well. 
and then Tommy DeLuca, who mm. I thought was maybe as good a player as the team had last year. And that's saying something with Chase Berthelet and, and Berkeley Catton in the seasons they had. But there were times I thought Tommy DeLuca was the best player on the ice for Spokane. He is not coming back. Um, import player from Italy has signed a pro contract to play overseas in Italy in his home country. So he is not returning to Spokane. And, and that's a disappointment. Uh, I really thought with him being back and joining Berthelet and Catton up front, it really would have been a, a good one, two, three punch. But, uh, you know, that's the way it rolls. And uh, so the Chiefs going to have to uh, try to work their way through that. But uh, that's certainly a disappointing loss for Spokane going forward. DeLuca not getting drafted last year and goes back home. I, I'm, do you think there's a connection there that he came over for some exposure? It didn't seem to work out at the draft. So he went back home? Yeah, no question. I, I, I think that, it, that that played a big part. Uh, I, I think that he you know, knew that he would get more looks here in the States playing in Spokane. Mm-hmm. And he had a fine year. And I, everyone that I was talking to was thinking he was going to be a fourth to sixth round pick in the draft. And I certainly thought he would be as well. And then when he got passed over, I, I think he probably said, well, it's probably worth my while to stay closer to home and I'll see what I can do there. And, um, you know, he, he gambled as it were, and uh, came to the States, and it didn't work out, unfortunately. Um, I thought he really showed strides as a player, though. I really was impressed with his uh, doggedness on the puck, uh, his ability to make plays off of uh, winning the battles on the walls, and uh, good net front presence as well, and had some some good skill to him as well. I mean, I really liked his all-around game, and uh, it's it's disappointing he won't be back, but uh, now he gets an opportunity to play closer to home and playing professionally, so uh, certainly uh, that's a that's a big plus for him. I'm surprised, though, too, like you are, and uh, 49 points in 65 games, third on the team in scoring. Was it a surprise to the organization that he left after one year? Yeah, I think so. I think it was. Um, I, I know they're happy for him, but at the same time, I think there was a lot of thought that you know he was going to be a big part of the rebuild going forward this year, and the fact that he's not going to be there, uh, that leaves a hole. Uh, there's no question in my mind there's some some talented young players coming up but at the same time you know it's nice to have a guy that's proven his ability in this league and was going to be a leader on the club this year um you know it's it's a disappointing loss i think it was a bit of a surprise no question Uh, i was surprised at the uh jazowski trade to lethbridge Uh, this is a guy who was a second round pick a couple of years ago and seems like age-wise just coming into his wheelhouse here you mentioned that he started off well and kind of tailed off after that uh, but to only get a fifth-round pick for a guy who was a second not that long ago, I was a bit surprised. Yeah, I, I was as well. Uh, you know, I, I thought that the, he would probably get another year uh, to, to show. I thought this was a make-or-break year for him. Um, but I thought showed some signs last year. I mean, he's got a tremendous shot. Um, I just thought didn't use it enough last year. Mm. And I don't know if that was a confidence issue for him. Uh, but I thought got off to a great start. I mean, his first month of the season, I said, wow, this is the player that I think everyone envisioned when they drafted him in the second round and it seemed like in November, it just kind of tailed off for him. And there were games, you know, going November through February where it was like, did he even play? I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. I know the term I always use was Claude Rains, you know, was he Claude Rains tonight, the invisible man. And I I thought that that was an issue and maybe it was just, you know, learning both sides of the game. I, I thought, you know, he was really having to work hard to learn the defensive side of the game great offensive skill but was lacking a little bit defensively 
And I thought, you know, trying to learn the defensive side and, and incorporating that into his offensive game was a learning process for him. And uh, I think that probably played a large part in him disappearing at times last year in, in the sheet. Uh, I thought, you know, he'd get another year. I mean, that was just my personal feeling that he would get another year. But uh, obviously, they probably looked at the forward group that was coming in this year mm-hmm. and what they were going to have. And they probably decided, you know, he probably is going to be a third or fourth line guy this season. Give him an opportunity to be better than that somewhere else. Mike Boyle, the voice of the Spokane Chiefs, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. And uh, let's get to that roster for this year. We'll, we'll start net. And this was a young team a year ago and uh, ended the year, I believe, with two rookie netminders. Same group coming back again this year? Yes, without question. You know, uh, Cooper, Michael, Luck, Dawson, Cowan. They got Cowan in a trade with Winnipeg last year. And on the whole, I thought played very well for Spokane. Uh, the results didn't necessarily show it. Um, and there were, you know, growing pains moments where it's like, well, he would have liked to have that one back. But I thought on the whole, looking at the big picture, Dawson really evolved last year. Cooper really came along as well. Uh, very athletic goaltender, uh, a kid that has a lot of upside to him. And, and the great thing is, is that, as you mentioned, they're both rookies. Yep. They're both going to be guys that are going to be playing regularly this year. No question they're going to be splitting time at the beginning of the year. And uh, they're going to have the opportunity to earn that number one job, but uh, they're the they're the one and two going in, and, and that's a nice feeling to know going into camp. Is there anybody coming to camp that you know of that could throw a wrench into the mix and and you know make it make it an interesting battle, or is it by far these two guys? Yeah, it's by far these two guys. I you know I I think there's some there's some guys that you know and the and the team did draft a goaltender this season, but again you know that's something you're looking at a couple years down the road. Right. Uh, I think this year. You know they're pretty much locked into to Dawson and Cooper, and and I think when you get looking at the big picture going forward, one of those guys is going to establish themselves at some point, and then you look forward to okay, do we make a trade with the backup if necessary by the deadline if the team's in a situation to make a move. Well, and we've seen a lot of teams lately going with a platoon system. It certainly worked for Seattle last year, right, to have two guys who could yep. be starters. Maybe a strategy that we see more teams taking at the WHL level. We'll see. Well, there's no question. You know, and I, I look back, you know, just at our history, you know, we had a year in 08 when we won the Mem Cup where it was a platoon system during the entire season. You know, Dustin Dukarski shared time um, that year. But when it came playoff time, Coach Bill Peters right. went with him exclusively. And that's generally what happens is once you hit the playoffs, it's one guy exclusively that goes. And uh, that was the case with Seattle last year. I that's mean, true. There's no question, you know, that, that once they got to the playoffs, you know, they had the big the big guy in net. And, uh, you know, that's generally what's going to happen. But, you know, for a regular season, it's not a bad, bad way to go. And I could certainly see that happening for Spokane. But uh, I think once you establish a number one guy, you know, it's that's going to be the horse you ride. And uh, I think that's where the Chiefs are going to be looking at in this first half of the season for sure. Mike, take me to the blue line and uh, tell me what the uh, Chiefs have, who who sort of leads the way here as uh, the grizzled veteran, because I know it's a, it's a young <laughs> team, so I don't know if there is a grizzled, gray-bearded uh, veteran out there. There really isn't. I mean, you, you look at the, the group coming back and the older guys, uh, you know, guys like uh, Jared Brinson, uh, Ben Bonney, um, you know, they're they're the older guys that are they're coming back, Braden Crampton being another one. 
But I don't know if they're necessarily the leaders of the blue line. Uh, I think our best guys coming back are younger guys. Uh, Sage Weinstein, uh, I think, is going to be the main guy on that blue line for Spokane this season uh, as an 18. Uh, as 17-year-old Will McIsaac's going to be a guy that's going to eat a lot of minutes. Boy, I thought Willie last year as a 16-year-old, I mean, evolved so much. I mean, I thought he was good at the beginning of the year. I thought he became great by the end of the year. So I think those two guys are going to be the two that are going to be leading the way. Uh, Nathan Mays, uh, a big kid that I think would have made the club last year if he'd not been injured in camp late, uh, ended up coming up at the end of the year. I think he's going to be uh, a big guy on that blue line for Spokane this season. I, mean, I have no doubts he's going to be in the top two pairings. Uh, D wise, um, and then that he leaves you with Brinson and and Crampton, um, and also with Ben Bonney, who played a lot at forward last year as well. I, I could see where you know maybe they bring up some young defensemen that come up as 16s, and Ben ends up playing more forward than he does D, and is kind of like a seventh D man in in necessary uh, uh, situations. So. You know, I think it's it's, it's going to be a young group once again on that back end. Um, you know, Owen Shetler, I think, is a kid that is going to be a young guy that's going to come up, a kid from Edmonton that I think uh, is going to be a big contributor for Spokane this season on the blue line. Uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting dynamic of how it goes at the beginning of the year. I think, you know, Ryan Smith and Dustin Donahue, you know, chief assistant coach, are going to look at that and go, you know what, let's look at what's going to pair best in that first month, and then you're going to get a, a, an order where, you know, hey, probably Weinstein's going to be on your top two pairing, McIsaac's going to be in your, your next two, and who's going to be with those two guys on the top four. Fair to expect some growing pain, though, with a, a young defensive core like this? Oh, no question. No question. You know, and, you know, you're talking about second year goaltenders. You're talking about a pretty young defensive core of a lot of them, you know, in their second or third years. But, you know, they're only 17, 18 years old. Right. Uh, There's no question in my mind that, yeah, there's going to be some growing pains early on. And we're going to be a young team again. You know, last year we were playing young on that back end. We had four 16s on the roster that we played regularly. It's going to be more of the same this year. I think you're going to see four 16s on this year's roster. So, yeah, early on in the season, I have no doubt there's going to be some growing pains. And usually they're most exposed on that back end. And I think that uh, that's certainly going to be a, a, a case for this club, particularly in the division that we play in. Jumping up to the forward group, we, we mentioned a number of players who aren't back from uh, the team that finished the regular season last year. Uh, they do uh, bring in... Uh, Connor Roulette as an overage player yes. or a 20 year old player this year. And I, I imagine there's going to be a uh, high expectations for him. And uh, it seems to me like he's going to be a guy who could gravitate to that role though. No doubt. I, I think that, you know, he knows what is expected coming in. Uh, I always liked him as a player when he was in Seattle, he ate us alive for hmm. the most part, whenever he played against us. So the fact he's going to be playing for us is a, is a huge relief. Uh, I think that he's, going to be you know one of those guys with chase berthelet berkeley cat and you know those three are going to be the the big three up front for spokane i mean they're going to have to have years where you know you're expecting 25 to 30 goals each out of out of those guys if you're going to be making any kind of a, a playoff run and and getting this team over the top through a very tough division i, I think that that's the fairly you know what's the word i'm looking for uh expected 
of of those guys if you're going to have any kind of a winning season or make a run. I think 25 to 30 goals for those three is is pretty much you know going to be expected. Uh, young group coming back uh, up front as well. I mean, we were young overall last year, but you know some of the the veteran guys that are going to be back. Ty Shevel Dayoff is back for his 20 year old season. He's a guy I look forward to taking a big step in his game. I thought he took a step last year. I think he needs to take a bigger one this year. He's a big body, six three, two twenty kid that you know plays you know big when he wants to. Uh, I thought there were times last year that he tried to be more of a skill guy than a big guy. I think that if he were to you know get a, a game like a Reed Schaefer, for instance, um, like a Lucas Siona, yep. for instance, if he plays like that, I think that you know he would be a huge boost for Spokane going forward this year. Um, I, I think that, you know, he's a guy that I'm really keeping my eye on to see what comes out of him this season. Carter Streak is, is a kid that, you know, you're looking at him as a as a, a 19 this year. He's a guy that I look at and go, you know what, he's got to be a 20-goal scorer. I mean, he's a, he's a small guy, skill guy. He's got to be a guy that puts the puck in the net this year for Spokane. And I, I think that's going to be a, a big expectation. Jake Goodell, is another kid. He's 18 this season. And I, I look at his skill set and just go, he could be a star in this league. I thought last year the learning curve got to be a little heavy on him at times. I think he's a kid that if the light bulb goes on and things click for him, he's going to be a breakout player this season. He can skate. He can shoot. He's got all the necessary skill it's just a matter of putting it together on a nightly basis for him. Uh, Owen Martin is a young kid that's going to be up this year with us that I'm really excited about. Um, a, a former number two pick from, from last or two years ago. He's, I watched him for five games last year, and his awareness on the ice and his ability to see the ice, much like Berkeley Catton. Hmm. I mean, he just sees guys and he gets the puck in stride to him. Um, I, I really am looking forward to see his development this year. Um, you know, you look at guys you know, coming back. Um, you know, I mentioned Chase Berthelet. You know, you know what you're going to get there. Yeah. I mean, the, the kid I thought was the most valuable player on the team last year. Berkeley Catton, I mean, a star in the making. And it's hard to imagine he's only going to be 17 this year. Yeah. And I, I look at him and go, he performs like a 19-year-old. And so the fact that he's going to get better, better is scary. <laughs> Quite frankly, it is. And he had a huge offseason in the Holinka tournament, leading Canada to the gold medal as the captain, uh, leading score in the club. I mean, he just uh, he continues to get better. And that's what impresses me about him. He's not content. Even though he's a great player now, he wants to be better. And I think that's going to be huge, not just for him, but for the entire squad looking at his development this season. Uh, I was going to ask you more specifically about Catton after my next question, but uh, since we were just talking about him, let's stick with Catton for a minute. 23 goals, 32 assists last year, 55 points in just 63 games. That's a really strong season. Do you see him more as a, a shooter or a setup guy, or is this one of those players that can just do both? He can do it both, and I think that's up to him as to where he wants to go with it. Um, I thought last year's a 16, he was more of, a passer, more of a setup guy, an assist maker. Um, and, and yet he's got a great shot and he can create goal scoring opportunities like, like no one. And I, I thought that 
he last year kind of as a 16 year old was kind of like taking a backseat and letting guys like Berthelet um, lead the charge a little bit. I think that changes this year. I, I think he's the guy to go in and say, okay, this is going to be my team and here's what we're going to do. And in that respect, I think he becomes both. He's going to be a guy that's going to be a great setup guy to set up a guy like Chase Berthelet or Connor Roulette. But at the same time, when he gets opportunities, he's going to be a guy that's going to put that shot in the back of the net. I really am excited to see his step this year as a 17-year-old because, you know, he knows the draft is around the corner for him. And uh, I I think he knows that, you know, he's got to show what what he's all about. Uh, I think he's done that in this offseason. I was very uh, pleased and impressed to see what he did. I think he's just going to get better, and it's going to be scary good to watch him in two years. <laughs> so it's funny because it's it is his draft year coming up, and so the all eyes will be on him. There's going to be a lot of pressure, and you wonder how a guy reacts or responds to that. But if the Holinka is any indication, well, he's going to be just fine. As you mentioned, he had a terrific tournament uh, for Canada at that event, and. Uh, I mean, you, you've gotten to know him, I'm sure, off the ice a little bit, uh, what his mental, mentality is like or his personality. You just expect this guy to take it to a whole nother level this season? Absolutely. I, I You know, I was impressed with him when he came up as a 15-year-old two seasons ago and played for us in the first-round series against Kamloops. I, I talked with him extensively, and I was like, you know, this kid is so mature for his age. And I talked to him right after the season ended and i said well you know it's just time to take that next step and he goes absolutely you know he was going to go back to saskatoon and he was going to work on his game and he was going to come back a better player he did that this year he's obviously done it this season um he's going to come in and as i said i think he takes more of a leadership role with this team this year and i think that you know this team's going to start to take on the blueprint of his competitiveness Mm -hmm. i mean there's no one more competitive than Berkeley Catton and you can watch him during a game and he is not content to be on a club that had 40 points last year uh he is not content with that at all and he's looking to turn this around and I think that the the team's going to follow his lead this year I think there's no question that uh, he's going to be a guy that at the end of the season people are going to be talking about as a as a conference all-star all right, Mike, uh, the overage situation for the uh, the Chiefs. You mentioned Shevel Day off. We know they brought in Connor Roulette. Is there a third guy right now, or do they have an opening? Uh, right now, as far as the third guy is concerned, uh, I, I think they've, they've got a guy in mind right now, um, you know, but it's a, a situation where, you know, they've, they're still making some moves, and I think Camp's going to determine that an awful lot. Okay. Um, looking forward as as far as that is concerned um you know it's it's kind of a, a state a state of flux as, as it were you know i think shovel day off you know and bertholette and roulette are going to be the three guys um you know i think oh, I think of course I, bertholette i forgot about bertholette of it, course he's going to be there yes. yeah Yes, you know, you know, Berthelette and Roulette, you know, for sure. I think with Shovel Day off, that's a that's a situation that, you know, I think the team's looking at him and go, okay, let's see if you're taking that next step this year. I think Ty, if he proves himself in the early part of the season, I think that's going to be the three through the year. Okay. I, I think that the most pressure is on him as far as whether or not you, you make a move on the 20-year-old front. Um, I think that he's a guy that, 
if he takes the steps, I, I think it's a no-brainer. I mean, you've got your three in place. Yeah. But, you know, I think going forward, you know, I think the pressure's on Ty in this early half of the season to prove that, you know, hey, I'm a guy that's going to be a regular contributor. I'm going to be a guy that's going to be a leader in that room. I'm going to be a guy that's going to be one of the top five guys on this team uh, going forward. Yeah, uh, I think it's pretty obvious, those three. It was my bad that I, I missed a birth. It's, I'm going to blame the, the WHL website right now and the lack of a roster page. How about that? Cover my butt that way. Uh, how, how about the import situation with DeLuca going back to Europe? I know they've brought in uh, Lucas Kral. Yes. What's Is there uh, a second import uh, or is that an opening? Well, no, they've got a second import. They, they got a kid uh, from the Czech Republic. Um, got two two kids from the check that they, that brought in for this season. I haven't seen anything on them as okay. of yet. So, you know, I'm as, I'm as blind as you are <laughs> on, on this one right now. Crawl, I've heard a little bit about. And my first question was, you know, was he related to the former Chiefs defenseman, Philip Crawl, right. who's now in the Maple Leaf system? Uh, no, no relation. So he's <laughs> just, you know, another crawl in Spokane and there's no relation. And I said, well, if he plays half as well as Philip did, we'll be in good shape. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I think that there's a, there's some, some expectation for him. Uh, guys I've talked to in the organization, uh, I've all said that, you know, Hey, he's got a, a lot of skill. He's got a, a great eye for the ice. Um, he's going to be a player that's going to be able to come in and contribute right away. And I said, well, that's exactly what they need. <laughs> you know, they, you know, anyone that can come in and, and contribute right away is going to be a welcome addition to this club this year. So, yeah, they've got the two guys uh, that they that they lined up. So um, we'll, we'll see how it goes in camp. I'm kind of looking forward to it because for one of the few years I'm actually home from baseball season, we're playing home games, so I'm going to be able to go out and, and watch camp this year before I head to the ballpark. Nice. Uh, we always end these, Mike, with uh, reasonable expectations for the fan base uh, to have for their team, and this is a club that was young, missed the playoffs last year. We know that cyclical nature of junior hockey. You can be a contender. Two or three years later, year, you might be a bottom feeder, but you keep uh, going back and forth. Where are the Chiefs right now in that cycle? It's It seems from the outside looking in, still a young team, but getting better. Uh, is this a club that can push for the playoffs? I think they can push for it, but I think they're going to be – it's going to be a tough road to get there simply because of the division they're in. I mean, you look at, you know, adding Wenatchee. Yeah. While great from a travel perspective, <laughs> maybe not so good from a competitive <laughs> perspective. I mean, you're just – you've only put the – the best team in the East in a division where you already had the best team in the league. So it's like, Oh, okay, great. Just what we need. Uh, So yeah, there's no question. Those clubs, Portland's going to be very good this year. Everett is going to be improved. They were a young club last year that uh, was able to make the playoffs. So they're going to be a better team. You know, try, I think is going to fall off a little bit. They were top loaded last year. I mean, they had uh, a ton of 19th, I think seven, or eight 19s on that roster last year. You can only keep three. So um, they're they're going to be a team that's going to be challenged this year. But there's no question they got enough guys back um, that they're going to be a, a club that's going to be contended with. And that's going to be the team, I think, that Spokane has to overcome to get to the postseason. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if they're ready for that yet. We'll, we'll see. Um but as I said, there's going to have to be some guys, as I've mentioned, that are going to have to take some major steps in their game 
for this club to to take that next step. Yes, there's improvement in this club. As I've told people, nowhere to go but up. You fin- you finish with a franchise worst all time forty points in a season. Nowhere to go but up. And I think that will be the case for this club going forward this year. Do they make the playoffs? Mm, I'm not so sure about that. I, I think that they're going to push for it. I think they're going to contend, but I think they fall just a little bit short. This is a club that I look at two to three years from now is going to be very good. So I, I think it's just, you know, going through the growing pains yep. of, of the Western Hockey League. They're going to go through it this year, and uh, I think they're going to be better for it in the long run. So I, I think this club, as I mentioned, two to three years going to be very very good still lots of exciting hockey though to watch when you get down to uh the rink in spokane to watch the chiefs this year whether they make the playoffs or not you're going to uh, enjoy the games i would have to think and some star power there for sure mike as always really appreciate your time uh, and looking forward to seeing the chiefs come through edmonton this season yes looking forward to getting up north again it's been a while since we've been to edmonton in fact it was the week before the pandemic hit That's the right. last time that we were up there so uh looking forward to seeing you all again You betcha. Thanks for doing this. Hey, no problem. Anytime. That was Mike Boyle, the voice of the Spokane Chiefs, uh, as we wrap up this week, the first week of WHL team-by-team previews. What are your thoughts and expectations for the Spokane Chiefs? Want to hear from you, uh, Chief fans? You can find me on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee. Thanks to everyone who has been signing up to be a patron at patreon.com slash the pipeline show. A bunch of people who have uh, dove in and are checking out the seven-day free trial, which is terrific. I don't think anybody who has done that has opted not to continue on, so that's great. That's why the seven-day free trial is there, so you can uh, dip your toe in it and test the waters. Instantly, you get over 760 interviews available, so uh, well worth your uh, two bucks a month, I would think, let alone the early access to every interview that you hear on a full episode of The Pipeline Show. They're always up on the Patreon site, one or two days ahead of time. In fact, this week, I talked to Troy Gillard on Monday and Dante DiCaria also on Monday. The interview with Troy for Red Deer was up on Monday. Uh, the one for Regina and Everett and Prince George, they all went up on Tuesday. And uh, this one with Mike Boyle was available on Wednesday for patrons. So again, if you'd like to have early access, go to patreon.com slash show. Next week on the program, we continue with... At least five teams. I think it's going to be five. We had one more that was scheduled, uh, but the play-by-play man for that particular team, his wife is having a baby, their first child. So I think we will uh, delay that one for a couple of weeks. But the teams who are scheduled to join me next week will be Medicine Hat, Brandon, Lethbridge, Moose Jaw, and Kelowna. And I think I I have a bit of a question mark with Kelowna right now, too, because in case you're living under a rock devastating forest fires around Kelowna and into Kelowna. So I've already reached out to Regan Bartell and said, hey, listen, if you we need to delay this, don't feel bad. Uh, but last I saw, he was tweeting that he was returning home after being evacuated. So hopefully everything is okay. And by next week, somewhat back to normal. Just devastating uh, fires throughout Canada this year. And I know in other parts of the uh, United States and, and the world as well. Uh, but up in Yellowknife, the entire city has been evacuated down to Edmonton and Calgary and, and parts of British Columbia. So thinking about all of those people uh, affected by the fires for sure. But that is going to do it for this week. So camp's opening up next week. You got another week or so. Enjoy that last little bit of summer and we can talk about some hockey next week. 
right here on the Pipeline Show. It's brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky, and my name is Guy Flaming. Have a great weekend, everybody.